Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Toogie's Take podcast, right here, wherever you're listening to it, because you can listen to it in a variety of different spots, and hey, no matter where you're listening, we thank you for it. We are back again to discuss another week in the hockey world. I am joined alongside one of my normal co-hosts, that being one Mr. Endo Mills. Pra- Hello, sir. Praise Bill. Cup Phil, praise Bill. <laughs> and today with Sin for the Win on a, a bit of a vacation, a bit of a bit of a time away to recharge the batteries, we have brought in friend of the show, voice of the OHL's Sudbury Wolves. My buddy, Mr. Thomas Mercier. Tommy, how are you, buddy? I'm good, Tugi and Endo. Thank you uh, guys very much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, so for those who didn't get a chance to listen to it about, man, it's been over a year because mm-hmm. we, we had that conversation about a year ago, uh, you know, had, had gotten interviewed by Tom for his podcast as well. And uh, I figured, hey, now's the best time to return the favor. And I think uh, it's an interesting show for sure because uh, both of my... Both of my co-hosts today happen to be Toronto Maple Leafs fans, and uh, Leafs fans, you're going to have to wait until the end of the show for the main event, and those uh, those rants. I'm looking forward. Endo, you have the next hour and a half to charge the batteries on your, uh, your, your magnum opus of a rant on this podcast, so <laughs> be prepared for that. Before we can get to that, though, I do have to say, as always, we got to pay the bills. I want to shout out our friends at Manscaped for sticking with this particular show. I wish I could say the holiday season soon, but too late. Holiday season is already here, and Manscaped is the perfect place for you to find something for that guy in your life. I don't care if it's your dad. Get him something to shave his balls. I don't care if he's 60. (laughs) You got to take care of stuff, no matter what age you're at. Perfect for the husband, the boyfriend, whoever. Manscaped is the place for you, for that guy in your life, all of their grooming needs that you might need. And again, hey, it doesn't have to be something like the Lawnmower 4.0. There's shampoo. There's body wash. Do what you got to do. A perfect stocking stuffer, if not more, at Manscaped. And you can use code Tugi at checkout for 20% off your order, free worldwide shipping to get it done. Manscaped, your balls will thank you, and so will we when you use code Tugi at checkout. With that, Before we get into talking about so many different things that have happened in the hockey world over just the past four days, including numerous, numerous firings, I wanted to give you guys a chance to learn a little bit about my good buddy Tom here. So again, as I mentioned at the start, the play-by-play guy currently for the OHL's Sudbury Wolves. Now... When people talk to me, they're like, oh, man, you want to do commentary stuff in real life? I'm like, yeah, of course I do. It's like, sure, I have the fantastic esports gig with my friends at NHL Gamer. That's NHLGamer.com. But Tom's living the dream. He is a play-by-play guy for for a team. It's awesome. And, Tom, I want to know, tell us a little bit about it. Your journey to get there, when you kind of knew that play-by-play or you know commentary is what you wanted to do. Uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about that story. Well, uh, you know, most kids would usually grow up in Canada or even in the United States, depending where you are, uh, dreaming of playing in the NHL. I kind of went the different route, uh, wanting to become a commentator because, you know, when I was young, uh, I wouldn't focus so much on the plays. I would focus on the play-by-play with guys like, you know, Joe Bowen, Bob Cole, Gary Thorne, uh, just to name a few. And uh, I kind of would 
you know, mimic them in a way and just try to track the game and call it on my own. And then, you know, eventually uh, an opportunity arose when uh, I was applying for uh, college classes. I had two choices. And, co and again, Tuge, I told you what the choices were. It was either accounting here in Sudbury or go to North Bay, which is about an hour and 10 minutes away from here to take radio broadcasting. And again, I, I say this to the day I, you know, eventually my heart stops beating. I'm glad I took the latter option. And, uh, you know, so I got my start uh, in with Canador College in North Bay. Uh, during my second year, I got a chance to kind of be an intern for the North Bay Battalion, which, of course, is a Northern Ontario arrival of the Sudbury Wolves. I uh, got to work with Matt Sukram and Bob Coles, not Bob Cole, Bob Coles with an S. Um, and I mean, it was a Just great say it opportunity. Just really fast and people will be very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Some people do get that confused, but uh, no, Bob Coles, amazing person. Matt Sukram, uh, you know, the guy that got me into this business and gave me a chance on the air on my last day with North Bay. I actually did the color commentary for them, which was awesome. I And, you know, that was a great moment for me. And, uh, and then after that... Uh, about a year went by with no opportunity in place. I had looked to a couple places to try and get my fill in. But then during the summer of 2017, I got a message from their then assistant general manager by the name of Grant Trainer, asking Thomas, we're looking for a play-by-play -play guy for the race at Balfour Canadians, which is about a half hour outside of Sudbury. Uh, the team has since moved and become the greater Sudbury Cubs. You can see the jersey here in the background. Um, I got a message saying, hey, do you want to be the next play-by-play -play voice? I said, uh, you know, uh, I'll think about it, but I'm sure I can make it work. And then after consulting with my mom and a couple other people, I messaged him about a half hour later saying, I would love to do this. I'm glad to be on board. First season, we make the league final. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to go that route. We lost in six, unfortunately. We won the first two games and then unfortunately got smoked the next four. But that's a story for another day. But, you know, not usually everyone gets to have their first season on a championship run. And, you know, since my first year, I like to think I kind of improved a little bit. But I did get my start in the Northern Ontario Junior Hockey League, which is uh, Junior A, for those that are not aware of the league. I don't think it gets as much recognition as it should. It's an amazing league run by amazing people. Um, but I did get my start with uh, Rayside Balfour slash Greater Sudbury. But then 2000. 18 2019 rolled around and their former vp of communications approached me saying we need someone to do the webcast for ontario hockey league tv and we would like you to do it if possible so my first ohl game officially was against the mississauga steelheads uh i believe it was back in 2018 it was around the christmas season and i mean it went great uh the wolves didn't win that game per se but, I mean, it was a fantastic game to call. And then 2019-20 rolls around, and I got a call from their office manager by the name of uh, now Miranda Boivin. She gave me a phone call saying, Thomas, we'd like you to be the next color commentator for the Subway Wolves. You also take over play-by-play -play responsibilities if uh, my broadcast partner, Brian Cooper, cannot do the games. So I said, without hesitation, absolutely, I'm on board and with this. And you took a tire iron to Brian Cooper's knee, and it's, <laughs> it's been straightforward ever since. I mean, Brian Brian's an amazing guy. He's been, uh, I actually asked him for advice for my first OHL game because I know he had the responsibilities on the radio. And um, yeah, ever since 2019-20, I've been with this team uh, going into my second year. I've already called a few games. Obviously, we're on a bit of a pause right now. I don't know if you guys want to get into that or not. But, I mean, that's kind of how my journey started. 
Uh, and, you know, I've been living the dream ever since. I'm glad to be here with uh, the team I grew up with. Uh, my first game was in 2007 when this team went to the OHL final. And my first, the first person I met in the locker room, I'm sure you're familiar with, Tugi, is Nick Felino, who, of course, is a former Slippery Wolf. And uh, I've been in love with this team ever since. It's the dream job. Uh, and I live by a motto throughout my life. Do it because people say you can't. And I like to think that I did. And uh, I'm just glad to be here. It's an amazing job. I love it. I mean, I like it, man. You know, the more traditional route to get there in a sense. But, you know, not as if there's any shame, essentially, in the idea of, like, working your way up. And it's like, oh, here's an opportunity. I'm going to go for it. Here's an opportunity. I'm going to go for it. And that's... That's awesome, and of course, I am not surprised at all that we are essentially the same type of nerd who, uh, in a way, almost paid more attention to the commentators than uh, the action on the ice sometimes, but that makes, uh, it does make a lot of sense. Now, you mentioned, too, it, it essentially being the dream job. I mean, I imagine you just, your attitude would have to be just taking it as it goes, but, I mean, if it, you know, it's, it's the type of thing where I've, I've been quoted in saying kind of just with what I've done on Twitch, where it's like, I have already accomplished more than I thought I would. So if this is the level, then I'm, I'm good with it. I imagine you feel the same way. But I also imagine if an opportunity comes down from uh, a team in a higher league that you wouldn't turn that down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I roll with the punches as it goes. There's been a lot going on. Obviously, there was no season in the OHL last year. And I just saying, you know, do we know what's going on? Are we going to have a season or not? It was just consistent back and forth. Everyone tried to do what they could to get a season going. It just wasn't going to happen. The NOJHL actually did have a season. So Rayside did get to play. And believe it or not, that was their last season they would ever play in Chelmsford uh, before making the move uh, this season. So we did have a year last year in the Noach, but the OHL unfortunately did not happen. But yeah, I've just been kind of rolling with the punches. And uh, like you said, you know, if any opportunity comes along, I'll uh, I'll definitely look into those for sure. I've got great people that have been setting me up with countless opportunities. You know, Dario Zulich, the owner of the Subbury Wolves. Um, you know, Blaine Smith, he's one of my new bosses with the Greater Subbury Cubs. Very notable name in junior hockey, well-respected. Uh, he said, you know, he'll reach out to anybody uh, if there's any job opportunities. There's been a few guys from the OHL that have actually gone to the American Hockey League uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, his one name went to the San Diego Gulls. So he already got an opportunity and, you know, I've worked a few local TV games too on our local production, Eastlink TV. Um, and again, I'm broadcasting to an international audience at this point because I'm calling games on the radio and eventually TV. So yeah, if anything comes along, I'm definitely going to, you know, take the bull by the horns and run with it. Uh, so far I'm very happy with where I am and, you know, sky's the limit for me. Honestly, I I'm looking forward to the future. Uh, but you know, kind of like what you said, take it one day at a time and, uh, you never know what's going to happen, especially in the world we're in right now. You know, you never know if the season could come to an end or if it's going to continue. So yeah, I've just been kind of, uh, rolling with the punches right now. Now, before we move on to talking about everything hockey related here, like I said, that's happened in the past few days. I want to know from you, uh, especially, like, the most notable moments for you, whether it be individual calls that you've had or even, like, experiences off the ice, right? Because, I mean, again, you know, I, I think back to what I've done, and it's like, okay, there have been some cool things that I've done, you know, in front of a camera, but there have also been some great things I've been able to do off camera, and they, they all definitely stand out. So I'd have to ask, what stands out for you uh, so far in your career? Oh, uh, there's too many moments. Uh, you know, obviously... Most notable name to come out of the Wolves lately, Quinton Byfield, which 
obviously I'm sure both of you guys are very familiar with. He was actually activated off IR today, so uh, hopefully you see Quinton back with Los Angeles soon. Um, he's <laughs> I got to call a couple games uh, for play-by-play -play in my first year, and one of the most notable ones for me um, was an overtime winner against Mississauga where he scored his first OHL hat-trick. And, I mean, it was a crazy goal, went coast-to-coast coast and just scored an amazing goal to cap off the hat-trick. He actually helped the Wolves come back from 4-2 to two to win that game in OT. And uh, I actually had to call a Canadiens game right after that game was over, so I had a doubleheader. And my voice was pretty hoarse for the, uh, for the evening game. But, uh, yeah, that moment with... Um, that moment was pretty special to me. And uh, there, there's been a lot of other ones. Um, you know, Teddy Bertoss had those before. Um, trying to think of other ones. Uh, most recently, uh, our first game in Sudbury with the new team. It's uh, It's been pretty special. And, uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've had a lot of good moments so far lately. Uh, not a lot of negatives, if any. Uh, but, yeah, it's been a great, great uh, moments so far for me. I would say this entire experience has been a great moment for me. But uh, yeah, there's been a couple great plays and calls that I've been really blessed to be a part of. And uh, I'm looking forward to many more. So yeah, with that, we will move on. Again, I do want to uh, thank Tom. He's going to be sticking around on the rest of the show here for us uh, to talk about everything again. As mentioned, I'm, I'm still waiting. Endo's, Endo's saving those words. <laughs> conserving that strength. Yeah. For what better be. It's just going to be like... <laughs> It's gonna be a, it's gonna be two words end of the show, and it's gonna be perfect. It's gonna be just but... just two words like the fuck <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> so before we can get to Sunday, we do have to talk about everything that happened before then. That brings us all the way back to the lovely uh, day of Thursday, which again every time we have a show on Monday and we have to talk about what happened on Thursday, it feels like seventeen years ago. As insane as that is, but we start off on last Thursday. The Avalanche beat the Habs four to one. Why is this game notable? Kale McCarr scored his 10th goal of the year. Kale McCarr, has ten, he's a defenseman. He's like 22. 10 goals on the year. It is the fewest games to reach 10 goals in a season for a defenseman since the 1980s, which is absurd. And in, in the general scheme of things, I mean, again, you look at it, it took him 20 games to do so. Uh, in the past, you had Bobby Orr, Doug Wilson. They did it in 17 games. A different season, Orr did it in 16, alongside Paul Reinhardt, who's also done it in 16 games. The record is 10 goals in 15 games by Phil Housley in 87-88. Uh, but that is some ridiculous company for Kale McCarr to be in at such a young age. I'm sure we could sit here and wax poetic about Kale McCarr all day. I don't know if either of you have anything to add, but he's just, he's a freak. Yeah. He's a freak. He's so good. Yeah. Even when it was Absolutely. coming out of college, uh, he just dominated. Like just, mm -hmm. he, he like, he took the bull by the horns. He just came out of there and said, yeah, I'm not going to just gonna be that, that rookie defenseman. I'm going to cover and take basically be like a game changer in a way. He's definitely been an offensive force. Uh, and it's, it's going to be a one for the rest of his career. Sure. He's one he's arguably one of the most gifted defensemen in the in the NHL. There's no question. I mean, that's some pretty ridiculously amazing company to be with with guys like Bobby Hor, Doug Wilson, and Phil Housley. Uh not to pull Paul Reinhardt aside, but I mean, man, the fact that he has ten goals is honestly kind of insane to me. I mean, this Avalanche team looks they kind of hit a bit of a road bump lately, but I mean this team still looks really good. I mean, <laughs> 
Yeah, Kel McCarr's a freak. That's really all you can say. In a good way, obviously. He's been so good for Colorado. Yeah. I mean, Endo mentioned it, right? Like, NCAA-wise, he falls to the fourth pick because, oh, he's in the AJHL. How good is he actually? And then he goes to the NCAA and had, I do believe, 70 points in 75 games as, like, a 19- and 20-year-old defenseman. It's a joke. Yeah. He's so good. Uh, the Lightning beat the Blues 4-2. to two. Nothing overly notable about this game. Victor Hedman had a two-goal game. He's up to five on the year as of this game. Uh, Brandon Saad, Pavel Bushnevich with nine each. So the new additions for the Blues looking okay, but they were at 12-8-3 as of this game, so not exactly high-flying. And his least favorite team that he called out. Actually, it was Sid, in fairness, who called him out. Uh, but Endo called him out, too. You, di- you backed him up. You know what you did. What was this? <laughs> What was don't this? Don't, don't speak up. Don't speak ill on my name without me approving it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! The Florida Panthers moved to sixteen four and three, beating the Buffalo Sabers seven to four. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the highlight, but Etu Luostarainen, who's been really damn good for the uh, Panthers this year, he had a nice goal line clearance, and then they went down and scored, I believe, to win or take the lead at that point, and then they just destroyed them from there. But Aaron Ekblad had a two goal game. Anton Lindell had a two-goal game. Another guy that, if it wasn't for Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider, where would you have Anton Lindell? Probably in the top three, but where? I mean, you look at some of the other guys that are rookies this year that just don't have a shot. Like, this might be... I'm trying to think of when's the last time we had such a one-sided rookie of the year, you know, a Calder race, where we aren't even at Christmas yet, and people are resigned to the fact that it's going to one of two people. I mean, you know, you think back to like the 05-06 season where it's like, okay, it's going to be Ovechkin or Crosby, but then how many other years in between there come to mind where it's like, okay, this guy is the slam dunk Calder winner before Christmas. So I do feel sorry for uh, Anton Lindell on that. Uh, And for the Sabres, Vinny Hinostroza had two goals. He's up to four on the year. Crushing it, Vinny. (laughs) Keep it up. Uh so, so passive-aggressive. Sorry. <laughs> if I may, that Florida team has been looking way too good this year. And I mean, you know, that start they had on home ice uh, was, I think, a franchise record, if I'm not mistaken. I'm. Oh, it's not done. I was I was going to bring it up a little bit later on uh, from the game on Saturday, um, which we'll talk about uh, soon. But I might as well bring it up now since you brought it. Uh, they tied the record for most wins through 15 home games to start a season. Uh, the most recent team to do it was that 08-09 Sharks team. And, of course, it's Thornton, it's Marlowe, it's ridiculous. And then before that was the 86-87 Flyers. Wow. So they have tied a record and could beat it that has only been done twice since 1986. It's it's insane how good they are, for sure. That's kind of unfair if you think about it. I mean, you know, Barkov's been playing well. Aaron Ackblad, I've loved him since his OHL days with Barry. He's wow, he's having an amazing season, and so is Anton Lindell. And you know, you talk about Lewis Strinan, he's been wow, he's been so good too. I didn't expect the start from the Panthers, you know, especially given the history of Sergei Bobrovsky and uh, how his seasons have been going. But no, this Florida team's looking, uh, it's looking quite scary. I mean, it's early in the season, and I mean, Buffalo's actually playing a lot better than I thought they were going to this year. They gave the Panthers a run for their money. But, man, this Florida team is just too good right now. I, I, I don't know what else to say about them. They've just been unreal. The Chicago Blackhawks beat the Washington Capitals in a shootout 4-3 to last Thursday. Alex DeBrinkett, team-leading 13th goal 
on the year because, again, he will be the next captain of the Chicago Blackhawks, or you might as well just throw that organization into the dumpster. Trash. Uh, and and for, <laughs> and for Washington, Evgeny Kuznetsov scored his eighth of the year. Uh, again, I, I bring it up every time I see his name on the score sheet. Heading into this season, or at least last offseason, it was, you got to get rid of Kuznetsov. He's washed. He can't stay out of trouble. He doesn't look focused, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the guy has eight goals and 20 assists in 25 games so far this year. So... The idea of uh, he's washed, not so much. And uh, hey, you could say it's because of who he's playing with in Washington, but he's been fantastic this season, has Kuznetsov. The Ottawa Senators won their fifth game of the year. Yay! We, we don't suck as much. <laughs> Five, 15, and one, but they beat the Hurricanes to get that fifth wow. win, three to two. Yeah, right? So here's the thing. We'll talk about it, but like for some reason, even though the Sens suck, the Kraken aren't so good. They're not as bad as the Sens. There are these teams, and you know, I think Tom kind of mentioned it, right? The idea of Buffalo. There isn't necessarily that one team where you're like, oh, again, this is going to be an easy day. Mm-hmm. There isn't a single team like that in the league this year. I mean, even the Sens, who are tragically bad, uh, you know, can at least put up a good fight and occasionally beat a team like Carolina. And Alex Formanton had uh, his third and fourth goal of the season in that game. I was going to bring it up a little bit later on, but it's it's rather topical. Uh, you did have uh, you did have Pierre Dorian correcting himself, uh, and was it you or was it Sin who mentioned the fact that Pierre Dorian had that infamous quote on saying the rebuild is over? Oh yeah, I think it's I think it's both of you. I think that it's love both. To bring that up. Yeah, I wasn't here on Thursday uh, at hockey. It was it was the worst. Uh, Worst excuse to, to miss a podcast ever. I'm gonna touch on that just a little bit second. It was a great, it was a great skate. Go ahead. But it was just like, it was not, it was not worth it. There was like eight guys on the ice. We had a bunch of like Lee side, uh, like kids like watching the game because they had to go on the ice after. Uh, Tommy if you're not aware, I'm like, a, I'm like a rental hockey goalie. Uh, I get paid to go play out and go skate. So coincidentally, during the time I was supposed to record the podcast, I had a, I was already booked in for a skate, so I had to miss it. And uh, it was not worth it. Uh, it was not worth the sixty dollars. <laughs> oh, hey, at least you got paid. Yeah, at least you got paid. Pierre Dorian said this on responding to his quotes of the rebuilds over. He said, "What I should have said is all the core pieces are in place." <laughs> so he's not wrong in that they do have a lot of strong core pieces. I mean, Alex Formanton, I think, can be one of them. But the ability of NHL GMs to just put their foot in their mouth oh, and yeah. uh, have to backtrack on comments, it's its a tale as old as time. It's not a rebuild, <laughs> it's a retool. It's a retool. There you yeah. Go. That's usually Eugene Melnick's job to put his foot in his mouth and give bad quotes. I didn't expect that from Pierre Dorian. He's be been kind of quiet lately. Yeah, that's, that's kind of surprising because he's usually one of the most vocal people in the NHL, and which is why people in Ottawa can't stand the guy, myself hey. included. He's counting his money right now. Uh, yeah, he's sure. probably counting it from Cuba or wherever his uh, seaside home is. But, uh, man, this Ottawa team right now is, uh, yeah, it's not not good, is it? And, I mean, you know, Matt Murray was 0-5 to start the year and was put on waivers. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but this, this guy hasn't been the same over the last few years, and I honestly kind of feel bad for him. Uh, yeah. And, you know, some people brought up the fact of his father passing away. Maybe that's the reason why he's not the same. It's very much a mental game, I would imagine. Um, 
you and you look at the rest of the group. I mean, Batherson's having a good season. Yay, maybe. But Brady Kachuk has been kind of a problem for them. 52 penalty minutes in 19 games. That's not good. Not good at all, especially from your captain. And yeah. Stutzla's a minus 11, guys. That's It's not good. Mm. <laughs> well, Kachuk is a Kachuk. Yeah, so the penalty minutes will always be there. Yeah. That's true. Uh, I wish Sim was here to talk about. The Sharks beat the Islanders last Thursday. Nick Benino scored again. Do you think it went like 12 straight games at the start of the season without a goal? He's got three in like his last five or six or some odd like that. Eric Carlson scored his fifth of the year. Uh, for the Islanders, Matt Barzell scored his fifth of the year in what has been a god-awful season. I think he and Pedersen are kind of competing for who's had the more disappointing year. Those two keep getting compared. It's not the last time we'll mention the Islanders uh, today because, boy, uh, we got to talk about their most recent form in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bruins beat the Preds 2-0 last Thursday. Jeremy Swayman shut out. And in his first game, I believe, yeah, since the trade rumors popped up, because I think that was last uh, I think that was last Monday. Yeah. Um, it might have been a second game since. But Jake DeBrus scored, and it was the winner, and he still hasn't been traded. I'm telling you, I, I can't get it out of my head. I want it to be for Tomas Hurdle in San Jose, but it's going to be for Evander Kane. <laughs> Maybe it'll be for like a third round pick from Edmonton or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then Louis DeBrus can commentate on his kid. But yeah, just. Uh, Sorry. That was, that was good. <laughs> I mean, that's what everyone's saying, right? Like, oh, because uh, the report came out like, oh, Edmonton's interested. I was it's just like, going to oh, say Louis that. Yeah. yeah, Louis trying to force people's hands. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it could make sense. Let me talk about it was a good my son. For the Bruins. <laughs> <laughs> Bring my son home. <laughs> they don't like him down there. Even though I think a lot of people do like Jake DeBrusque. But oh, he's ready. a good guy. I, I I heard a lot of Boston people like him. I'm, I'm I mean, you talk positively about him, Doogie. I mm-hmm. I like his game. I've never hated him. So I I don't know. That, that's a bit of a tough situation in Boston. You know, obviously he sounds very unhappy with where he's at. But then he scored the game winner. So maybe he's happy again. Who knows? There is a gigantic conversation amongst the Bruins fan base right now as to how much better Bruce Cassidy's been as a head coach over Claude Julian in regards to getting younger players into the lineup and making them stick. And I think you look at the struggles that DeBrusque has had uh, since Bruce Cassidy has become head coach. And again, for those who need a reminder, Bruce Cassidy has been uh, the head coach of the Boston Bruins for almost five years now. Uh, you know, four years, seven months, uh, plus an extra two months as an interim. So, I mean, he's been here a long time. So that five years, what does that do? That brings Jake DeBrusque from age 2021 20, to where he is now, 25, 26. And boy, he's not here. And it's, it's, it's a whole different depressing thing that I really don't want to get into. But we'll see what happens to Jake DeBrusque moving forward. Uh, the Wild beat the Devils 5-2. Kirill Kaprizov scored two goals, up to nine on the year at that point. It was a three-point game for him. 17 points in his last eight games, which uh, at this point on Thursday actually led the league in points since November 18th. So we you know, we kind of talked about it. I remember on the show, it was one of those infamous moments where Sin called me out for, yeah, but how many assists does somebody have? Uh, which we call that uh, the Voracek rule. But... The idea of, oh, Kaprizov's kind of starting off a bit slow. New contract and all that. And, yeah, he's just been absolutely crushing it in the wild in general. I mean, again, that was their 16th win, uh, I believe, in just, what, 23 games 
at that point uh, on Thursday. I think they've played since, and we'll have another game to talk about for them. But breaking news, <laughs> Kirill Kaprizov's really good at hockey. Who would have thought? More at 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, but, he's... Yeah. Go for it. Oh, go for it. Uh, you know, I remember the whole contract debate for Kirill Kaprizov. People, you know, the threats of him going to the KHL instead of coming back to Minnesota. And, you know, Minnesota was kind of in a dumpster fire at that point, And there mm-hmm. were a lot of there was a lot of stuff going around. Um, but then they sign him and then I see the contract number and I'm like, that's a lot of money after one season. But, uh, mil. you know, right now it looks like it's worth it. You better hope he keeps playing like that down the road. Or that's going to be another one of those maybe Ryan Suter and Zach Parise contracts, which, you know, a lot of people talk about that still. But, of course, they bought it out, so they can't anymore. Um, hmm. But, yeah, Kaprizov's been great. One player that surprised me has been Marcus Foligno as well. Um, hmm. You know, a guy, guy that likes to punch faces but knows how to score apparently as well. Another Sudbury where I could talk about him all day. But, yeah, that Minnesota team is actually playing a lot better than a lot of people thought they would at the start of the season. But uh, Kaprizov's definitely a main contributor to that. Mm-hmm, definitely, too. Shout out to uh, Ryan Hartman, who was um, an absolute franchise mm-hmm. beauty for me. Uh, last year in NHL 21 and this year in 22. Uh, gets his 13th of the year. That is... I, I don't know what it was, but I saw... I, I he, The way he's performing is as if like he's playing in my, my virtual league right now. It's great. It's it's almost like he's on a line with Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello. <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost. <That's it. laughs> like, like, no disrespect to Ryan Hartman, but I mean, like, he bounced around quite a bit, right? Like, he was on Chicago, he was on Nashville, he was on Philly for, like, 19 games, and that was weird. But, oh, wow, all of a sudden, you know, he's in Minnesota, he's been here for a little bit now, and you look at his stat line. 1920 season in Minnesota. Nine goals, 20 points in 69 games. Last year, seven goals, 22 points in 51 games. This year, 13 goals, 21 points in 24 games. I don't know if he's just figured it out, if he's finally comfortable, if it is that much of a kaprizov Sucarello factor, but it's it's crazy. And Endo mentioned the 13 goals uh, I saw on Twitter from Jackie Redman. Uh, 12 of those goals have been at even strength. That's crazy. Which makes him a top three player in even strength goals in the NHL. So it's not as if it's just, you know, he's a power play specialist or, uh, you know, just picking up points off off the power play exclusively. So he's he's been really, really good. Um, the Dallas Stars beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 3-2. to two. Jason Robertson, another one of those guys that started off a little bit slow. I'm a huge fan of his sixth and seventh of the year. Ben Bishop, though is back in the news for Dallas. As of today, the word is that he will report to the Texas Stars of the AHL for a conditioning stint. He has not played since the 2020 Stanley Cup Final. He missed all of last season, um, had knee surgery in the offseason. Looks like it might be done. Will he or won't he come back? But now it's looking like we finally have an answer. And he is on his way back. And I'm intrigued to see what Ben Bishop is at this point. I mean, you're talking about a guy that, like, at his peak, Ben Bishop was a Vesna-caliber goaltender. That's not anything out of the question. I mean, it seems like forever ago that he was on Tampa and then got traded to L.A. and played, like, seven games. Remember when Ben Bishop was a king? Yeah, I don't either. Uh, Briefly. 
I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what happens. And, you know, he's got one year left on his deal at uh, $4.9 million heading into next year. So he's not the biggest hindrance on the cap. But if you're the Dallas Stars, you don't really have space for Ben Bishop. This is almost Ben Bishop's way of auditioning to get onto a different team that can give him a chance. Because the Dallas Stars on roster right now have Anton Hadobin for one more year at $3.3 million. They have Braden Holpe signed for this year. And, uh, oh yeah, a former first-round pick named Jake Ottinger, who is also phenomenal. So they have probably the greatest amount of goalie depth uh, out of any team. I mean... You know, like I said, if Ben Bishop's great, maybe you'd want to move on from Hadobin, who, uh, fun fact, has an 873 save percentage in seven games this year. So that's uh, that's looking rough. We're on the flip side. Holtby has a 927. Turns out Vancouver was the problem. And uh, Ottinger has a 951 in six games. So I, I don't know what's going to happen with Dallas, but I think they're in a really interesting spot where you talk about good goaltending being tough to find. And if Ben Bishop can prove he's still an NHL caliber guy, they have three guys mm-hmm. that are worthy of consistent NHL ice time. And then even Anton Hadobin, if he can turn it around. So Ben Bishop, boys, your your takes, your thoughts, if any. Uh, just one note uh, on the schedule. He's being sent down to Texas for the uh, conditioning stint, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, their next matchups are against the Chicago Wolves, which are the top team in their, their division. <laughs> Uh, Texas uh-huh. is like second at the bottom, and like yeah. you got like crazy like like guys are lighting it up. Former Leaf Josh Levo, Ryan Suzuki's there. Who else is there? Notable Jack Drury's there. Uh, who else? It's just like it's firepower completely. I have a feeling that this is this is like the time where you have to take this and run because this is the perfect opportunity to show that you're on like a, a low end team and you can still have it there. Because if you can stop. Top a top AHL team on a low end AHL team, I think that's deserving of a of a shot in the NHL. Uh, depending you know, on how like, well he does. Just to kind of follow up on your point there, Endo, I've actually been following the Chicago Wolves a little bit because you know a player that we actually used to build by the name of Isaac Phillips plays for Chicago's affiliate in uh, Rockford, and that Chicago Wolves team is pretty scary. Yeah. I mean, you brought up Josh Levo. Welcome to the welcome to the Subbury Wolves Hour. Um, <laughs> he, he he's on a tear this year. And, you know, with the change of their new affiliation um, with the Carolina Hurricanes, they've been kind of blessed with having their prospects as well. Mm-hmm. That Chicago team might be kind of problematic <laughs> for, for Texas down the road. Uh, but just to talk about Bishop, you know, it's not too often we see goaltenders bounce back from, you know, a major injury or major surgery. You know, take Tyker Tynan from the Niagara Ice Sox, for example, was actually just traded today. I was quite surprised by that, but also Ooh. not at the same time. Yeah. You know, obviously people remember the Tynan incident. I know, too, you were talking about it today in your uh, mm. in your stream. Um, uh, you know, he since he was injured, he bounced back pretty well. He's honestly one of the top goaltenders in the OHL. It's just unfortunate that Niagara is, um, how do I put this politely, very not good. Um, neither are the Wolves. Very political I mean, answer. I respect it. But, but yeah. Niagara, Niagara is off to a rough start, and they're still reeling from the couple years ago when they got caught with that player scandal, and they had to get picks back. But I think the Sioux Greyhounds won that deal, and Tucker Tynan, I think, is going to be good. 
you know, it, it's crazy you bring up the fact that Ben Bishop has to place this the cup final in the bubble in 2020. I did not know that, honestly, and I probably shouldn't be keeping mm -hmm. track. But Ben Bishop is, you know, obviously one of the last remaining super tall goaltenders that does take the game and put it in his own control. So maybe he takes advantage of being in Texas. I, I think it's the right move for him to condition down in Texas. Um, and, you know, hopefully he does bounce back. But with those three goalies he listed off for uh, the Dallas Stars, you know, that's a pretty tough hill to climb. You have to fight off arguably maybe two out of those three goaltenders or two of the top goaltenders maybe in your in the entire NHL-AHL system. You know, Jake Ottinger eventually is going to be the number one for that team, I would imagine, down the road. Uh, you know, Brayden Holtby, he's, you know, kind of been a bit of a surprise, to be quite honest. And Udobin's kind of fallen off a little bit, and Udobin's not getting any younger, to be honest. Neither has been Bishop. Um, but hopefully Bishop does make a bounce back. You know, he's been bounced around a lot in his career, too. Um, I hope he comes back at some point. But, you know, some people can bounce back from injury, guys. We'll, we'll see if Bishop can prove us wrong. But, uh, you know, hoping for the best for him. And uh, I'll be sure to keep an eye on him down in the American Hockey League. Also wanted to mention in that game uh, for the Jackets, only real bright spot. Captain Boone Jenner, 11 goals on the year. He's going to score 30 again at this rate, and uh, I'm here for it. Mm -hmm. I'm here for it with Boone Jenner. Uh, and the final game on Thursday, the Flames beat the Kings 3-2. to uh, Speaking of goal scorers, Andrew Mangiapane, his 16th, because he's unreal. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Kachuk, his 11th. Milan Lucic with seven goals on the season. Which I love. I want to see a return of 20-goal <laughs> scorer Milan Lucic so, so badly. Uh, and for the Kings, Alex Iafalo scored his ninth. who's doing pretty well. But Flames are 14-4-5 on the year. Every time I look at their record, nobody expected them to be this good. No. And, uh, I mean, if Edmonton's going to be good, I want Calgary to be good <laughs> because you're in it for the rivalries, right? Yeah. Like that's that's the only way I can view it. So I'm happy Calgary is also a, a very strong team this year. And uh, you know that that Calgary team didn't look very good the last couple of years, to be honest. Maybe it's a new uniforms. Who knows? Um, but I mean, Manjapani's a beast. 16 goals on the year. You know, I remember watching him in Barry. He was kind of this gritty, tough guy, but could get points. I didn't think he could blow you know pucks into the net with such amazing production. He's been, wow, he's been so good. I, I love Mangiapane's game. There's been people that say they don't like it. They're crazy if they don't like his game. They're only saying that because they're probably an Edmonton fan. But no, Mangiapane's been good. I'm surprised with the start from Milan. Uh, who, who knew the Calgary Flames were going to win the Milan, Lucic, and James Neal trade? I did not see that coming. <laughs> and, you know, Maddie Kachuk's having a good season, too, for Calgary. And, of course... <laughs> You know, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but uh, Maddie and Drew Doughty got familiar once again. That's probably one of the greatest one-for-one -one rivalries in all the sports right now. It's kind of hilarious. Um, Kings have been struggling. I think it's quite obvious. They're in a rebuild. They're still without Quinton Byfield. You know, Andre Kopitar's kind of getting to the kind of getting to the end of his rope, unfortunately. But um, you know, I kind of kept a close eye on that game and. I don't think it was an awful game, but, you know, you knew Calgary was going to come out on the better end of that. But, uh, yeah, it, it, the Flames are kind of on fire, to say the least. Um, and Puns! 
<laughs> I love I love my puns. That's my broadcast partner just rubbing off on me. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's fine. That's, that's what we do well, here. Trust me. <laughs> that's True. good. We'll move over to Friday. The New York Rangers shut out the San Jose Sharks one to nothing. Igor Shesterkin with a, another shutout on the season, and uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about him later on. But the Rangers moved to fifteen four and three on that day. Ridiculously good team. Surprisingly good uh, for some of the. Uh, issues on their roster. We'll move to the next game, though, where the New York... Uh, I was gonna, I was going to say the New York Jets. I was thinking of football already. Jets, well, let's Jets, be honest. Jets. The New York Jets aren't winning much. <laughs> the Winnipeg Jets have won a little bit more uh, as of recently because we called them out on this show saying what's going on and now they're winning hockey games. Um, and again, hold hold your Leafs-related thoughts for now. Uh, but they beat the Devils 8-4. to Mark Shifley with a hat trick to get up to five goals on the year, which they desperately need. Nick Ellers had a two-goal game. He's up to eight. For the Devils, well, Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer, I mean, Hughes missed time. He scored his third of the year, but that's kind of the point. Nico also scoring his third of the year. For those two, it's just, it's the same story of you already kind of worry about Nico Heischer's durability and that he's picked up some injuries kind of consistently. Now you have Jack Hughes coming off of an injury. If those two can stay healthy and be the top two centers leading the Devils, they're going to be fine. They're not going to be a playoff team this year. They're 9-9-4 as of Friday, and I think we have another game of theirs to talk about, but... It's it, I, I don't know. It's in a way, it's almost concerning, right? Where it's like, yeah, you have two young guys in their twenties, and you're already just like, okay, can you stay healthy, please? Like that's it's a little bit concerning. That was the first game of uh, Jack Hughes' new contract, too, was it not? I'm pretty sure I it was. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I don't know how that deal is going to work out for New Jersey in the long run, but I mean, you know, first overall picks got to get first overall money, right? So, I don't know. We'll see. Fair enough. And in that game as well. Endo, no surprise here. We've talked about this how many times this season? <laughs> P.K. Subban essentially slew-footed Nikolai Ellers without a call That's and without a suspension. <laughs> so, again, some people might not be like, oh, maybe it depends on your definition of a slew-foot. I consider it to be a dirty-ass play to sweep the leg while pulling somebody back from the shoulder. You know what's really funny? Call it a slew-foot or not, call it what you will. It's dirty as shit. <laughs> it's funny. Like, I oh, love man. P.K. Subban the person. Mm-hmm. And I'd love P.K. Subban, the player, because he doesn't get called fucking ever. <laughs> Why would you not want him? Like the old thing of like, oh, I, don't, uh, I hate Brad Marchand, but I want him on my team because he's good. <laughs> I want P.K. Subban on my team. He's not even that good anymore, but he doesn't get called for penalties. <laughs> this is seriously like the fifth time in how many games have the Devil? 22. Enough. 22 games the Devils have played. I swear to God, this is at least the fifth time we've mentioned a P.K. Subban slew foot without a call. It's it, it's mind-boggling. It's honestly kind of crazy. I'm surprised he got away with that. I could kind of see some people's points. But, I mean, if you're sweeping the leg and grabbing the guy by the shoulder, do you not call that? Because Marshawn did something similar and he got penalized for it. So, <laughs> you know, stop stop readjusting the rule book. Call it as it is. You know, I and I'm sure we'll get into the officiating conversation oh, at some point no here idea. today. I, I know Endo is biting at the chops. And Endo, I know you got probably something to say about the Subban slew foot I I kind of have to agree with you yeah I don't know how that was unnoticed that makes no sense to me of all things <laughs> I think he's just tanking his value so that way a team like Toronto can just go and pick him up for cheap next year I, I can see something stupid like that happening I, although Toronto has like seven like puck moving defensemen and like three stay at home and it's like okay what are we gonna do just just have them like skate pirouettes in the ice it's fine 
Uh, I he's got to he's got to he's got to calm down. Way to go, Paul. Paul Carl Suman. There you go. Way to go. Uh, like PK's defensive production has gotten so bad over the years. It's yeah. honestly insane. I mean, yeah, he's a great offensive defenseman, but my God, this guy just, you know, I've been, I remember playing against him in the 07 Eastern conference final when the Belleville bulls were actually a thing. Mm-hmm. And he was a great two way player. And then all of a sudden after trade for Montreal just wasn't there anymore. Yeah. I want the old PK Subban back, not this slew footing and, you know, I hate to say it, prima donna kind of guy. Like, yeah, he does amazing stuff off the ice for charity work and, you know, for um, for social justice and stuff like that. But, man, why you got to slew foot someone, like, multiple times in a season? Eventually, yeah. you're going to get caught. I, I I don't know. I PK's a smart guy. I think he can be smarter than that. He did get away with that. I'm yeah. sorry. People can come at me if they want. PK got away with another sloop foot, and it's got to end at some point. You might have to rewrite the rule book at some point on what a sloop foot is. Mm-hmm. Or just have like Slows the PK. Down. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I think just to touch I, up on that again, sorry to interrupt, Tuki. But yeah, like, it, it's, it, I, I don't want to remember like a few weeks ago, we had the, um, the, the, the former NHL referee say like, oh, it's his skating style. It, I, I feel like the, the way he skates and the way he balances, like when he's like playing, it's so weird. Like he's like, it looks like a pool noodle, and like I can't, I can't skate out to save my life, even though I play out. But like, it, it just looks like he's just like, 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 like uh, audio listeners, I love you, but it looks like you know, just like a like jump and jive. Yeah, that's what it is. Just on the ice with his feet. I, I, I don't know what to do. Did you, you play him as? Pro- a- go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Endo. Finish your thought. I was my gonna bad. say at this point, play him as a forward. If his, if his defensive production yeah. is so bad, just play him up as a four, as a winger. He'd be amazing. He would be a unit. Are you yeah. kidding me? You you remember that one practice video of him? You know, look literally looking like he was jumping. <laughs> like yep. that was that's exactly what it looks like on the ice. <laughs> Who does that? It's I I get the crossovers at the line for a defenseman, but he he looks. I hate to say it. He looks ridiculous. It's like what? edge work on like speed. It's ridiculous. It's edge work to like the finest like inch of his steel blade. Like, yeah, I, again, I don't hate him. I think he's a great person and a great ambassador. But man, why you got to slew foot people? It just doesn't yeah. make any sense. Just knock it off. You know, you're better than that. Don't know if maybe injury is adding up to changing the idea of like his style and him slowing down. I don't know what it is, but it's good on PK Sube. He somehow keeps getting away with it. He... <laughs> <laughs> Breaking bad memes and all, he keeps getting away with it. In fact, uh, Vegas Golden Knights beat the Arizona Coyotes seven to one in the least surprising scoreline I've seen all season. Yay! Um, the Yotes at 5-17-2 as of Friday night. Uh, Patch already scored his fourth and fifth. And Leafs legend Michael Amadio scored his first yeah. of the year. Mikey Amadio. Oh, Michael Amadio. Mikey A. What a, what God, Arizona's beautiful. garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, yep, it's a we'll good thing their jerseys are good because, man, that team is not. Like, yeah. It's inexcusable how bad they are. Am I, am I alone on this? No. Like, I mean, by design team, at least. Like, they have a thousand draft picks, so. If they if they were trying to be good and they were this bad, <coughs> Ottawa, um, then I, I you know I could understand the the criticism, right? They so. would have had two thousand uh, draft picks if it wasn't for that one situation a couple of years ago. But uh, you know, 
it yeah, is what, yeah, don't improperly it, work out prospects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know what happens with this team at this point. They're just Oh, there's no words to describe this team. <laughs> like I'm sorry. That's bad. That's yeah. really bad. Like it's to the point where I just bet twenty bucks every time the Yotes play. I just throw twenty bucks things I know of. If they do get that win, it's like, oh sweet, I got like sixty bucks. It's great. <laughs> I love betting. It's great. I don't advocate uh, gambling at all whatsoever. But I will if you sponsor the show. Yeah. But uh. I say spend responsibly and uh, you know just just be safe. One eight hundred gambling. The Calgary Flames. So we already waxed poetic about. Uh, beat the Ducks 4-3 to three in a shootout. Elias Lindholm, his 10th of the year. Uh, we talked about basically everybody else on the Flames except for Lindholm in terms of like key contributors. He is um, very much unsung. Like He doesn't have the biggest amount of name value in the league, but Elias Lindholm's great. Uh, and Matthew Kachuk scored in the shootout with the Peter Forsberg move to win it. Because, of course, he's like... <laughs> Imagine how frustrating it has to be, because obviously, you know, you mentioned the Drew Doughty thing earlier. But imagine how frustrating it has to be to play against one of the Kachuk brothers when they are at, like, their utmost confidence and pull off a Forsberg. Like, that shows Matthew Kachuk is incredibly confident right now. And that that must make him the biggest pain in the ass to play against in the league. When someone that talented with that much grit and truculence is feeling that confident about his abilities. That has to suck. Yeah, the guy just oozes confidence, doesn't he? I mean, you go back to those uh, to those couple of between-the-legs goals he scored, especially that one against Nashville uh, not that long ago. Man, he is just super confident, and that was... Not only was it a gross goal, but it was to win it in a shootout. It was just... He undressed Gibson. It was ridiculous to watch on replay over and over again. But to your point of Elias Lindholm, you know, I've personally loved him even since Carolina. I thought he was underutilized in Carolina and then just comes into Calgary and becomes like a fan favorite amongst a lot of people. And like I said, this Flames team has a lot of good pieces to it. You know, Lindholm and Kachuk are just a couple of those positive pieces. And that team is on a roll. I mean, Anaheim's not been awful either. You know, mind you, they're 13, 8, and 4. But... uh, you know, I I think they kind of earned a point in that game. Did they deserve to? Maybe, because you played a good game against a really good Calgary team. But there's no stopping Matty Kachuk at this point. The guy is just stupid right now. It's it's just not even fair how good he's been right now. And the final game on Friday, the Seattle Kraken, again, they're 9-13-2, but they managed to play spoiler quite often. They beat the Edmonton Oilers 4-3. to on home ice, Yanni Gord, sixth of the year, started off the scoring. Grubauer had a great save, maybe even a save of the year candidate in the third period. Uh, for the Oilers, though, I mean, it was almost the usual suspects at this point. Dreisaitl's 21st of the year, McDavid's 16th. Uh, and then Evan Bouchard, who's been great for them, and that's been one of the, the main things I've heard from Oilers fans this year is just their uh, their, their glee at how well uh, Evan Bouchard and uh, Philip Roberg at this point are playing for them. So uh, almost a rare loss for the Oilers, but... I mean, hey, you can't you can't win them all. They're, they're still great, again, and I'm happy. The Battle of Alberta is going to be great in the playoffs, and I'm here for it. Me too. We'll move on to Saturday then, and this is where things start getting a little bit spicy in terms of some of the bigger talking points. Uh, Florida Panthers beat the St. Louis Blues 4-3 to in a shootout. Maxim Mamine comes back over from overseas. He was here before, leaves, comes back, has a two-goal game for the Panthers, up to three on the year. 
And for the Blues, I mentioned it before, but Brandon Saad scored his 10th. Like, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, the Blues are 12-8-4. They haven't been on the best run of form as of late. Uh, we get to the Preds beating the Habs 4-3 in overtime. Philip Forsberg's 11th of the year for the OT winner because Forsberg is great. Tyler Toffoli, though, confirmed now to be out for, quote, several weeks for the Montreal Canadiens. So where exactly do, are we predicting this team to finish? Bottom three, bottom five, bottom ten at the at the worst end of it, right? Like, I mean, it, they're six, 17, and three, and you suffer an injury to who was your leading goal scorer last year, if I'm not mistaken, although Toffoli hasn't been that great this year. Um, in, in fairness, in terms of goals, 17 points in 26 games isn't bad, but only five goals when he had, what, 30 last year? I'm going to get the exact number. For Toffoli, 28 in 52 games. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, it just goes from bad to worse with Montreal. Even if, um, you know, you finally made the change with GM and such. It's it's going to be a bad, bad year for them. Uh, at least they were able to somehow get Kale Clegg on waivers, who I'm a big fan of, and I think he'll do well for them. But at the very least, this has uh, been an awful season for the Habs. And... Uh, I I I'm happy. You know, we <laughs> see I I've seen teams fall off the handle after like a Stanley Cup finals loss, but man, Montreal's just in a free fall, aren't they? I I honestly as a Leafs fan, I do feel bad. I have no ill will towards Montreal. That goes all towards my own team because my god, how did you lose that series? Um, but you know, no carry price. Now you have no Tyler Toffoli, new GM in place. Uh it's just a mess in Montreal. And there's really no positives you could look to. Like, yeah, cool, you got a point. You still lost to Nashville, who at that time was not great. But, again, how are you going to stop Philip Forsberg? I I don't know what's going on in Montreal. I really don't. Hopefully they can turn it around at some point. But this team at this rate is going to finish in the bottom of the Atlantic at this point. Or, pardon, pardon me, uh, in the bottom of the division or whatever. Uh, it's It's... it's the worst case scenario for them to say, oh, who's going to finish last in their division? Ottawa, Buffalo, or Montreal? The fact Montreal is even in that conversation after being in the cup final less than six months ago is, it's insanity. Yeah, yeah. some of it was due to aspects out of their control with, you know, uh, Weber, Shea Weber going down and uh, Carey Price having to take some time off. And that's, that's the nature of the beast, I guess. Uh, you have to look at it and say, Maybe your organizational depth wasn't as great as you thought it was, and you need to be able to have guys to fill into that certain spot. You can't just put all your eggs in the one basket. I, I say this, this is like my quote of like my life. You can't put all your eggs in one basket or on two two people, and then the platform falls down. You got to have support for that in a way. And it seems like it's kind of blowing up in their face right now because they don't really have the assets. You lost KK in the offseason uh, with the, the, uh, the claim. You lost... Uh, you had, you had Cole Caulfield get sent down and brought back up, which I think is honestly the worst decision that they've they've done. Uh, yeah. Personally, they should be sending Cole back down to get more time out there because he was basically playing like almost like two points per game in the in the A. And to go up and play four flying minutes is not going to develop your player. That's not going to give him the time that he needs. You're you're basically treating him the same way you would Andre Casse, uh, Andre Casse, um, everyone else on the Leafs. Their, their roster is like oh third or fourth liners like. That's not what you do to guys like a like a top ten overall pick and as that like a high of a ceiling. 
you need to give them more time to develop and be dominant down somewhere else to get that confidence up. So when you come back over here, you can excel and be that guy you're supposed to be, not chase a Calder. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah. I didn't I didn't understand them sending down Caulfield either. I mean, it got my buddy Mike Pizzetta to play for the Habs, but man they're that wasn't a good thing um, no offense yeah. to your buddy mike but that didn't work out too well for him did it <laughs> well no well no maybe not that fight with reaver but i mean you know they've been i will say i respect him and his massive set of balls for fighting ryan reeves that, i i still can't believe he went after probably one of the greatest fighters in the nhl today i that surprised me but that shows how how tough he is he used to do that here in Sudbury. um but you know Looking at this Habs team, I still can't believe they sent down Caulfield for as limited time as they as he's been there. But I mean, Laval's had a good season, so you know it, it kind of worked out. But at the same time, they're kind of ruining him right now, and I feel awful because Cole Caulfield in the playoffs last year when he came in, he looked great too. And you know, like Endo said, you lose Cock and Yemi to Carolina in that whole hilarious debacle that happened during the off season. Um, I don't. I, I don't know. Uh, this Montreal team's got to turn around at some point, and hopefully the uh, the front office changes don't play into effect in their on-ice play, but right now it's not looking good. The Minnesota Wild beat the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday, 4-3 to three in a shootout. Uh, Marcus Foligno was 10th of the year. Spezza had two goals, up to seven. Matthews his 14th. I didn't get to watch this game, but the main reaction I saw was, what a great game, and it's a shame that it had to end via shootout. Is that, is that a logical take? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's pretty on point. I don't, I don't know about you, Endo, but I think that's that's a fair way to cap it off. Yeah, um, team's got to sorry, I was just distracted for a second. Uh, my uh, my goalie years being picked up. I had it cleaned and sorted out because uh, I, I get that done. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the team needs to work as a unit. Uh, I think the most undervalued player in that team is, again, uh, we're talking about the Leafs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just make sure we're on the same page. Um, I think Spezza is the most undervalued player, and he deserves some sort of like, like letter. He's he's outplaying some of the guys on there. Not even just like in like team play, but just overall like composure. And we'll, we'll talk about like what happened uh, on Sunday uh, when we get there. But just that guy deserves a letter. Uh, whether or not you pop him into the rotation, giving him a letter, but just. The amount of work he's doing with the amount of money that he's getting. I saw a tweet that says uh, Jason Spezza basically basically gets paid fourteen twenty five an hour, which is minimum wage here in Ontario, and he puts out more work than guys are getting paid like 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 millionaire salaries. Well, if you take like if you take like calculate, he's getting paid one hundred and fifty dollars an hour, one hundred and fifty an hour compared to the guys who are getting paid like a hundred thousand like a minute in the NHL. Hmm. His play has definitely been underappreciated on a lot of people's radar. I've loved Jason Spezza, um, you know, even since like his Ottawa days. But then he comes into Toronto, is basically turned into the team dad at this point. And, you know, he may as well stay the team's dad because he owns Matthews and Marner right now in terms of production <laughs> at this rate. I mean, yeah, Matthews has 14 goals, but I mean, Spezza's been a huge contributor to that. And again, I'm sure we'll get into what happened last on uh, Sunday, but. Spezza is a natural-born leader, and it just goes to show you don't have to pay, you know, seven, eight-figure sums to a player for amazing production. Has Spezza been amazing? I wouldn't say he's been top-tier, but he's been very good for this Leafs team, and, you know, I think he deserves a lot more credit than he's getting. I can't speak highly enough of Jason Spezza, so 
yeah, that's kind of been the only positive for the Leafs over the last, these last couple of games. That and obviously Matthews and how he's been. But yeah, I can't get enough of Jason Spezza. I hope he retires as a Leaf. I wish they could retire his number. I know that won't happen. That'd be that'd be well, silly. Well, if they win a cup, he'll get a he'll get a statue outside the stadium. Oh, that Probably. put him put him on Legends Row. He deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> The Tampa Bay Lightning beat the Boston Bruins on Saturday because, of course, they did. Because, of course, they did. Because in the last 10 years, it went from, oh, the Bruins play Washington, Washington wins. To now, in the past few years, it's been, oh, the Bruins are playing the Lightning. Guess who wins? It's Tampa, like every goddamn time. Um, Stamco scored his 12th of the year, an OT winner. Uh, it's been awesome to see that he's been able to stay healthy. Uh, and we've, you know, talked about Stamkos a lot on this show this season in terms of just how good of a goal scorer he is. Uh, for the Bruins, Charlie Coyle scored his seventh of the year. He continues to play at a pretty decent level compared to just how abysmal he was last year, unfortunately. Uh, Curtis Lazar got his first of the year for the Bruins. But the big talking point for the Bruins is uh, revolving around a certain goaltender who's not under contract. That would be one to Rask. And whether or not he could technically play for the team as an e-bug, which I don't know if that will happen or not, but at the bottom, he's coming back. Like, I can't imagine that there's a team out there right now, aside from the Bruins, that Tuka Rask would go to. Like, if I look at the standings, right? I mean, you would presume that most teams outside of the playoffs, he probably wouldn't want to go to. Uh, and certainly the teams that are in the playoffs, they don't need goalies. So if you look at the Eastern Conference, does he have a spot in Detroit? No. Pittsburgh? No. Tristan Jari's been good. Columbus? No. New Jersey? No. Philly? No. Like, there's nowhere that he fits, aside from Boston in the Eastern Conference. Western Conference, I don't even think there's an argument for anybody there. Yeah, send him to Dallas so they have five NHL-caliber goalies. Why the hell not? Uh He's going to end up back in Boston. You know, what it means for, say, Jeremy Swayman and whether or not he gets sent down to Providence. I, I'm pretty sure he isn't affected by waivers. Maybe that happens, even though, you know, Swayman hasn't been bad this season. And I still think he's the goalie for the future. For anybody, this has been... God. Reddit is a real special place. Oh, no. Don't. No, don't. Don't be a Redditor. The Boston Bruins subreddit had a thread up over the weekend uh, stating that Jeremy Swayman should be traded... So that the Bruins can really go for it. Which I love Tuka Rask as much as the next guy. Wow. All right. But you're talking about a 23-year-old goalie who this year in 12 games has a 918 save percentage. Can either of you guess Jeremy Swayman's career NHL save percentage so far? Oh, boy. What, what would you guess? You go first. I'll, I'll guess after. Um, Price is right rules. Closest without going over. <laughs> I don't know, like a nine twenty-five plus. That that would be my guess. Uh nine thirty-eight. This man has twenty-two career games uh, in the regular season. The playoffs, he had one start and it went poorly. But in the regular season, twenty-two games, a one-nine-one goals against average with a nine-thirty save percentage. Oh my gosh! Hey, trade him. They say trade him to really go for it. <laughs> no. <laughs> God, you guys flop part of the. About no. <laughs> a Leafs Nation was bad with goalies. Holy crap! I thought ho- I thought hockey Twitter had dumb posts. Are you kidding me? 
that, that's, that that is that's a good laugh. I needed that. Oh my god. Oh my god. I need to go check Reddit more. Jeez, am I coming right there? <laughs> so look, Rask will be back. I'm excited for it. Under what circumstances, we don't yet know. Uh, we do need to mention though, because we kind of crapped on the Senators a few times already in the show. They did beat Colorado on Saturday. Ah, fluke win. Six to five. Let's go. Next, next in question. <laughs> fluke win. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two that goals for Randy really cool <laughs> Josh Morris hit ten. Stutzel had two goals. The end. Okay, let's just let's just okay. We'll, we'll cover it. Yeah. <laughs> no, like I said, the core is in place. Two goals for Kachuk, Norris, and Stutzel. Two goals or two goals for Stutzel. Norris had his tenth of the year. The, it's all in place. They're just uh, the the uh, the the accenting pieces. They just need to they need to find those complimentary players now, and they'll be good to go. The, the, just such the a piece, dumb comment from Pierre Dorian. The pieces are there, but like they're trying to shove like the square and the circle peg. Yeah, <laughs> just keep going, it'll fit eventually. <laughs> if I if I if I keep going on up, it'll just wear out the sides. I'll be able to just put it flush in. It's fine. <laughs> it's okay. Don't worry about it. God, uh, we will move on. Uh, <laughs> the Detroit Red Wings beat the New York Islanders 4-3. to We will again talk about the Islanders in a little bit, but for the Red Wings, Moritz Sider's third of the year was the OT winner. He played 27 minutes and 19 seconds in this game. That's insane. Steve Eiserman is a goddamn hockey genius. <laughs> He's a wizard. Yeah. We, it, it, it's it, it's it, not it, even fair. The draft, where they pick Moritz Sider, and everyone's like, Who the fuck, why, why are they doing this? <laughs> It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's unbelievable how good he is already. And again, Steve Eiserman is a genius. May I even say wizard? You may say wizard. I've been calling him a wizard for a couple of years because I mean, you go back to the uh, you know the Jacob Verona trade for Anthony Mantha. That's oh yeah. I like to think that worked in Detroit's favor too. I mean, yeah, thirteen ninety three maybe isn't a great record, but it's better than what they had a couple of years ago, where they were the worst team since day one. <laughs> I like Mertz Cider is everything that was advertised. I loved him, you know, when he played for Team Jersey World Juniors at the World Championships, what have you. This guy is good, and I mean, twenty-seven minutes. My lord, that's a lot of ice time for someone of his nature. But I mean, man, it's like if Seth Jones wasn't average <laughs> and German. <laughs> that's true. That that's a good point, actually. But more, more it's Cider. Ah, oh, man, like Detroit it got a blessing in disguise. I remember being one of those guys being like, oh, who the hell is this guy? No, Moritz Sider's good. And, you know, I, I should have taken back what I said at the dra- during that draft. I mean, a lot of guys have been pumping in two for them, but Moritz Sider has been a special player for them so far this year. And I hope that he can keep it up. I would love to see this Detroit team make the playoffs right now. They could possibly make the playoffs. Who knows? Again, it's early in the season. But more cider, I I got nothing else to say about him. Just wow, just wow. I don't know if you guys saw it either, but um, Adam Ernie had maybe the hit of the season in this game <laughs> off of the suicide pass of the season. Is how I had to write this down. I it just, I I don't know who sent the pass. I don't even remember who the hell got hit. But of course, it was one of those gigantic hits, and then you immediately have to fight. Uh, because how dare you make a good play? Oh, I just saw right now. Get, uh, yeah, I'm gonna watch it right now action. too. It, it <laughs> yeah, was on. Nice. It was on Bavillier, right? Yeah, it was. I think so. I gotta oh, see this. What a hit! 
Oh, he just got same part of the Bridgeport after that hit. My God, that was insane. Ooh. And then, and then of course Wallstrom drops the gloves. Like I'm, can, can I say I'm tired of guys going after other guys for clean hits? Like this kind of on out of hand lately. That was that's probably one of the hits of the year from Adam Ernie. My. My God, that was a great hit. <laughs> yeah, top comment was like, so it's not just the rookies that Cronwall is giving tips to. It's giving secrets to everyone on the <laughs> roster. <laughs> it's so true. The it's legacy true. lives on in Detroit, mm -hmm. huh? That God. pass, number 10. Um, is that Taves? Is he even on there? On. I don't, I don't remember M who wears 10 for the I Islanders, in fairness. Um, it's a good question. Part of me wants to say Dobson, but I think you might be right that it's Taves. It's got to be. Uh, for the Islanders, well, Endo looks that up just so we get that clarification. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom, 6th and 7th goals on the year. He's great. And, uh, again, we'll talk about the Islanders. Adam Chernak. Where's number okay. two? Yeah, there you go. Wait, who? Chernak. <laughs> Austin Chernak. On the Island? Austin Chernak. Sorry. My apologies. Yeah. Oh, Austin Zarnik. Zarnik, Bruin. yeah. Yeah, there that's... Uh... That's one of those names. Yikes! Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's a fringe NHLer, and uh, he said go back to the AHL. Well, I think we know which one will be going back to the AHL. <laughs> the <one who> said <laughs> them the suicide pass like that. <laughs> oh, my God, oh, oh, man, that's so good. The Washington Capitals beat the Columbus Blue Jackets three to two. Alex Ovechkin scored his twentieth of the year. In uh, one of the most ridiculous stat lines I've ever seen. Um. Games to go, like, we, we did this for, uh, you know, we had that stat line for McDavid, where it's like, oh, how fast did he go from 100 points to 200 points? Well, someone shared the stat line for Ovi, how long it took him to go from 700 goals to 750. It took Gordie Howe 108 games to do that. He was probably 75 years old at the time. It took Wayne Gretzky 118 games. Yager 184. Alex Ovechkin did it in 79 games. I, I am still, like, on his day, best goal scorer of all time might still be someone like Mike Bossy, but mm -hmm. I think for the consistency and the era that he's doing it in, Alex Ovechkin, he's the, he's the greatest goal scorer of all time. Yeah. It moves, and again, I, I mentioned, obviously, 750 goals. He's now 16 behind Yuramir Yager for third all time. He will hit that mark this season. Yep. It would be yeah. shocking if he doesn't. And he's one goal shy of tying Dave Andrichuk for the most power play goals all time, which, yes, Dave Andrichuk has the record for now for most power play goals of all time. Uh, talking about someone who was uh, rather underrated at times in his career, but mm -hmm. Ovi as well also became, yes, all these stat lines are just from this one goal, by the way. Ovi became the seventh player in NHL history to reach 20 goals in 17 straight seasons. Only two players have done it 20 times, or have hit the 20 mark in uh, more than 17 campaigns. So Gordie Howe, had 22 straight seasons with at least 20 goals. Brendan Shanahan had 19 seasons with 20 goals. Does Alex Ovechkin claim that record from Gordie Howe? Uh, he'd have to play five more years to do it to tie it. So I don't know if I don't know if Ovi will hit that. Gordie Howe's a, a special occasion, but 20 goals in 17 straight seasons for Ovi. And of course, there is uh, what uh, a missed season and essentially two half seasons. Yeah. yeah. In there, and in don't forget time. the lockout too, right? So, 
Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, his rookie season was lost because of the lockout. Mm -hmm. You had the, what, 2013? Yeah, the 2013 half season. season. And then the COVID half season, or close to half season. So That was a mess. We had, like, two seasons of hockey in, like, a year. That was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird to cover (laughs) that, too, when I was working working with TSN. It was like, oh, great, hockey's over. Oh, what's this? Free agent frenzy? Oh, okay, cool. Okay, now we're back in the hockey? Oh, okay. Okay, sweet. Okay, bye. It's not like baseball at that point because the season ends and then like a couple months later it starts up again. (laughs) That's literally what it felt like. Is this spring training? (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) But I mean, Ovechkin's an absolute monster. I we're looking at history. You know, even if he didn't win the cup, I think it's pretty unanimous he would be in the Hall of Fame first ballot without question. Mm -hmm. Like the guy is just honestly probably one of the greatest goal scorers we've ever seen. And the fact that people in the NHL still haven't picked up that, hey, maybe you should cover this guy from the faceoff circle that he stands in all the freaking time. But if you do, you're going to take a puck going through your leg or through your body. Like, you're going to lose either way. Like, Ovechkin is just that good. And I don't know why people dunk on him. He's arguably probably the greatest Russian of all time. That might be a, a hot, you know, a hot take for a lot of people. But this guy, you know, that that record with Gretzky was looking very bleak at first. I don't think I still don't know if he'll do it, but he's getting pretty darn close. If you ask me, I mean, you know, step aside, Mr. Hockey. But I think that you're going to have company coming up in the next few days. I think Ovechkin is going to do it. I really do. I think he's going to surpass that record. Yeah. Three more games to talk about from last Saturday. We'll go through the first two quickly here. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes beat the Buffalo Sabres 6-2. to Two-goal game for Tevo Teravine. And Vinny Trocek got five in a game for boarding. Uh, all of our talks about the, the DOPS. Good call. Good, you know, correct punishment. We'll talk more about that at the end of the show. <laughs> the New York Rangers uh, beat the Chicago Blackhawks 3-2. to Artemi Panarin, seventh of the year. Game winner as well. Uh, Igor Shesterkin uh, is confirmed to be out for about a week. Unfortunately, thankfully, it's only a week uh, from the looks of it, but that's unfortunate. He's having a, I'd say, a Vesna caliber season. Uh, for the Blackhawks, Patrick Kane, 7th. Alex DeBrinkett's 14th future captain of the Blackhawks. I will not let it go. And then we get finally to one of our big talking points, right? One of uh, one of our most anticipated segments of the year, and it's, it's finally here, everybody, and I hate that Sin's not here for it, but oh, that's man. okay. The Pittsburgh Penguins beat the Vancouver Canucks 4-1 on Saturday. Jake Gensel with his 11th, 12th, and 13th of the year. Gensel has as many hat tricks in his career as Austin Matthews does. Crazy. Gensel only faces Vancouver twice a year and has more goals against the Canucks than any other club in the NHL. (laughs) So if there's a Western Conference team, specifically in the Pacific Division, you might want to try to get Jake Gensel... Sidney Crosby scored his third of the year in that one. He has uh, 11 points, three goals, eight assists in 13 games. Of course, he missed a bit of time due to injury. Mm -hmm. So for the Penguins, all is good after this game. All is good. They're 11-8-5. They're okay. The Canucks were down to 8-15-2. Only highlight of the game, Vasily Colson scores his fifth of the year. Great young player. Yeah. One of those guys in that rookie race. Any other year, you say, oh, maybe. Not this year because of Detroit's rookies. There were fire betting chants, as loud and as clear as there have ever been. Mm-hmm. There was a jersey tossed onto the ice that defenseman Brian DeMoulin had to throw back over <laughs> using, his, using his stick blade. I love that. That was funny. 
the Canucks fell to 3-9-1 in their last 13 games. The Canucks, at a 64.6% penalty kill, which is on pace to be the worst in NHL history through 25 games in a season. Or, you know, up to the 25-game mark in a season. It's the worst PK percentage of all time. And finally, mercifully, somehow they didn't do it before Montreal, the Vancouver Canucks finally did something. Five seasons in, they fired Travis Green as head coach of the team. And I couldn't believe that. I'm like, wow, Travis Green has been there for what was going on technically his fifth season, but it's true. And after eight seasons, old Bim, good old Bim Jenning, the man, the myth, the legend, Jim Benning, was finally, finally fired. And even now, I think I can hear in the distance the sound of Vancouver cheering. We'll talk first before we mention their replacements or anything like that. I can't believe it took this long. Mm -hmm. Did Travis Green take the fall? Maybe. You know, you can you can make that argument. There were rumblings, of course, that maybe, you know, the idea of losing the room and everything that that, that played a bit of a factor towards the end. But I think we can all agree that it uh, wasn't exactly an enviable position for Travis Green. You can argue whether or not he was able to get the most out of the team or do his best in that position. But at the same time... Again, it all depends on how you view Jim Benning, right? And the team that Travis Green was given, was there enough there to do more with, or was he handcuffed? But I don't know. I, I do I do feel bad for him in a way, but I, I won't be surprised if he gets a, a job sooner rather than later because it's the NHL and we recycle coaches. Oh, but. boy. Uh, don't even get me started on that. Uh, the one thing that I love is I was watching the game at the bar after I had uh, hockey, and the thousand-mile stare... Like on um, what's his name? Travis Green, yeah, the coach, the former coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, his face yeah. just like after that fourth goal went in, like you could tell that in his eyes, he knew he was gone. He knew the minute that puck went in, he was gone. Jersey went over, and like right when the clock stopped, he didn't say anything. He just walked off the bench. I don't even think he finished the game on the bench because the guys, the team's looking back, like where, where, where'd Trav go? Where, 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 where was he? Because they're like, okay, do we leave now? Like, what's going on? <laughs> they're waiting for a cue. And, God, I, I feel bad because that's definitely not the way you want to you want your last game as a coach or as, an, a, as a staff member on an NHL team to go with everyone calling for your head and then that and fans throwing a jersey over and all that. It's just, it, it sucks. It, especially if you're going to be, like, used as a scapegoat, especially with the Losing the room and everything, too. It's unfortunate, but sometimes someone's got to take the fall, and it's unfortunate that uh, he had to take the fall. But, like Tuki said, knowing the old boys club of the NHL, um, they're definitely going to find him another spot and another team, I would say, within the next six months to a year. That's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put, put a guess on that. Uh, you know, I honestly, guys, I think Green was kind of thrown into the lion's den he was given he was given not great pieces when he took over for willie desjardin and i mean you know shout out to hockey reference for this the canucks have had one winning season since 2014-15 when they went 48 29 and 5 and that was in 2019-20 when the season was called off so you could put an asterisk next to that they were 36 27 and 6 going into the bubble 
And since then, they have not had a winning season. I I don't think all the blame should be pushed on Green. Uh, I think he was given awful pieces. That Braden Holtby contract, that Tyler Myers contract, that team looks terrible. I'm sorry, Vancouver fans, if you're listening. Your team is not good, and you have one person to blame, and he should have been fired seven years ago, and that's Jim Benning. I don't care what anybody says. He has no room being Vancouver's GM since he took over. I think he's made some awful signings, some awful trades. I think waving, you know, Braden Holpe was probably your best move you've ever made in your tenure. And even then, that's not that great because now he's in Dallas and he's having a much better season. So good for you for proving that you guys were the problem. This Vancouver team is not good. Brock Besser, you know, Elias Pettersson, they've been off to a very slow start. I mean, this team looks human at this point. They went on a great run in the bubble, don't get me wrong, even though they got bounced in the second round. That was a lucky run for them. And, you know, if this team somehow made the playoffs last year, they would have been bounced in four. Like, I'm being brutally honest here. I want to see this Vancouver team do well. I really do. You know, ever since they lost to Boston in the cup final, I had a, I had this feeling this team could maybe make the turnaround. But as soon as they hired John Tortorella for one season, I knew this team was going to turn for the worse. You had, you know, Alain Vignon, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon. You had Willie DeJardin for three years. And he brought you a winning season in 2014-15. That's the last time you guys had a winning season. I'm sorry, but there's no excuse for how bad that management was and how you make these um, unbelievably ridiculous contracts the guys like Braden Holtby and Tyler Myers even I thought you know getting Myers after leaving Buffalo was kind of out of left field especially when you signed to that term I thought that was a ridiculous amount of money I don't know who would throw that much money at Myers I don't even hate him as a player I think he's a decent defenseman but he's not worth that much money um I don't know this thing this Vancouver fan base has been vocal, guys. I'm sure you can agree with me for a couple weeks. They wanted Betting's head. Couple they finally years. got it. What was that, Tugi? <laughs> couple years. For, for a few years, but like like you said, I caught the tail end of that game, and you could hear the crowd over the broadcasters. It was that bad. And, you know, I've never been a big fan of people throwing jerseys on the ice. I hate people that are like that. You want to throw away a $200 jersey? By all means, that's your choice. You have a right to express your opinion and your uh, your discretion towards uh, management and how your team's been performing. I think Vancouver fans have a right to be ticked. Uh, you know, again, haven't had a winning season since 2015. And this team only made the playoffs because of a bubble system. I'm sorry, but you guys got lucky you made the playoffs because of what happened. I think this is a move in the right direction. It's... <laughs> It, it, it's about time that a change was made by Francisco Aquilini. It, it took you way too long to make this change. And, you know, Bo Horvat said it best. Our team needed a spark. I think you need no, more than a spark. You need some gasoline to start up that fire. Hopefully they move in the right direction. Getting rid of Benning was the right choice. Could they have kept Green? They probably could have. Maybe demote him to an assistant coaching role. I don't think it's fair to chop his head off. But then again... You know, I've seen a tweet that he was practicing a two-on-O system. Uh, sorry, that doesn't work in this day and age. Who practices two-on-O? 
honestly. Anyway, I hope Vancouver takes a turn for the better. I, I hopefully think they will. Uh, again, I'm being very optimistic here. Uh, but, man, that Canucks franchise just... Man, it's been rough for them since 2011, yeah. and you know, my, much to the much to the enjoyment, I'm sure, of Mister Tugas. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So very much so. Well, we'll we'll see if the Canucks can turn it around. Maybe that's the spark mm. they need. Who knows? But uh, yeah, and I'm sure we'll get into the replacements soon. So we'll we'll see yeah. what happens. So for for Travis Green, I mean, in the first place too, right? It's like, hey, he's a BC born guy, although he's uh, Eastern BC. He's, I think he was he was born closer to Calgary than it is Vancouver, but still, you know, it has to it has to suck. For Jim Benning, you, you mentioned contracts, and boy, have there been contracts. Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, basically everyone that they just moved to acquire Oliver Ekman Larson. Uh, again, the. The, the Tyler Myers deal. I mean, you, you mentioned Buffalo, and it's like, you know, it goes from Buffalo to Winnipeg, and then you get him from Winnipeg as a free agent, and that's been a disaster. Tucker Pullman chopping people in the head and all. And then you look at some of the trades, and i got to be honest, like a lot of the trades, just most of it didn't pan out into anything. Like, we don't yet know what the result will be um, of that OEL Garland deal, but you look at, like, oh, trading, you know, Guys like Tyler Madden and Tim Schaller and draft picks to L.A. for Tyler Toffoli. And he does well. And then you let go of him. And he goes to Montreal and he crushes it. Um, you know, they acquired J.T. Miller. Uh, that was a great trade that he pulled off. I like that one a lot. Um, you know, they traded Eric Goodbranson for Tanner Pearson. That was a good trade, too. Like, he had some moments. And I think that really defines Jim Benning. He had moments. But at the end of the day... You know, the, the negatives outweighed the positive. I mean, God, I'm, I'm still looking at the trades here. It's like, oh, you gave up Jonathan Dolan to San Jose for a prospect who's, I don't believe, ever come over to North America yet. And Linus Carlson, if he has, it's been recent. And Jonathan Dolan's crushing it. But even, you know, you look at the draft, right? And I feel like the draft is where his, his legacy is kind of locked in because he was known as the, the draft guy. He's a draft guru. But you look at the draft classes for the Canucks since 2014. Now, um... You know, he, he was in charge for that 2014 draft. 2014, Jake Furtanen, let's be honest, for a sixth overall pick, it didn't pan out. Uh, they got Jared McCann in that deal. He's not known as a Canuck. Thatcher Demko, you hit. Nikita Trampkin, looked good, but you, you just couldn't convince him to come back over from Russia. Uh, and then, like, Gustav Forsling, decent NHLer. But, again, not really known as a Canuck. So you had basically one hit there in the form of Thatcher Demko. 2015 draft, Brock Besser, hits. But then Guillaume Brisois, nine games played. Adam Gaudet, didn't really pan out. And then four other picks from that 2015 draft that haven't seen NHL ice. 2016, they drafted six players in 2016 for a combined NHL total to date of 25 games played. They took Olia Levy who has 23 games played and is no longer with the organization. Mm-hmm. William Lockwood, who has two NHL games to his credit. Uh, <laughs> that's it. That's it. 2017, <laughs> Elias Pettersson. Massive hit. Cole Lind. Didn't really pan out for them. He's on Seattle now. Jonah Gadjevich Didn't pan out for them. He's a shark now, I think. Uh, Michael DiPietro has two games. Jack Rathbone only has 17 games. Analytically, he's great, but they haven't gotten much out of him. And then three other guys that didn't hit. 
2018, Quinn Hughes hits. Not a single other player of the five in that class has played an NHL game yet, which includes Jet Wu, Tyler Meyer, or Tyler Madden, excuse me, who they traded. I mean, for as much as, like, like I said, I feel like it's just the misses outweigh the hits. Even that 2019 class was pulled Colson and Hoaglander. That's massive. Nobody else from that class has played yet. But I, I just I don't know how to view it. I, I think the draft history sums it up pretty well. And then not to mention the 2020 draft class. When was their first pick? Third round. None of the five players from that 2020 class have played a game for the Canucks yet. And 2021, where was their first pick? Second round. So not only at the time, you're getting some big hits, but a lot of misses in the draft. You're making some very questionable signings, some very questionable trades. It all just adds up to nothing at the end of the day. This this total lack of success barring what they did in the bubble at the time. So I, you talk about who who's next, right? We talk about who's next. And we know who the next head coach of the Vancouver Canucks is. And honestly, it's tough to call this a bad move. They have brought in Bruce Boudreaux. Now, for as much as we critique the idea of the, the boys club and the same people getting jobs, that's really only brought up when it's an example of how the hell is this guy still getting a job versus, oh, I can understand why Bruce Boudreaux is still getting work. Like, 66 years old, sure, but Bruce Boudreaux has a hell of a track record as an NHL head coach. I mean, there was a, a decent amount, well, I guess maybe not a decent amount of success in Washington, but they were considered a cup contender every year he was there. Uh, you know, Anaheim, I believe, made the playoffs when he was there. Minnesota made the playoffs when he was there. It's worth a shot. You could argue maybe somebody knew. But at the same time, give Bruce a shot. He's under contract through next year. If it doesn't work out, you get somebody new. That's fine. But we don't know who the GM's going to be yet. Bruce Boudreaux deal? Fine with it. Again, you could have gone with somebody new, whatever. The interim GM is a team legend. I believe it's Stan Smeal. And that's fine. That's fine. He has been with that organization forever. He was a player. He has been in some role, shape, or form with the Canucks on and off since 1991 for longer than I've been alive. I think for longer than either any of us have been alive uh, at this point. So you look at that, interim GM, that's fine. The problem is the one name that's already circulated out there for who might get the job. Mark Bergevin. Bergevin! Oh, they man. haven't learned anything. If, if they hire him, they haven't learned anything. No. Marky Muscles. That's my take. Marky Muscles. I, 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 guys, I said it on Twitter. I don't know if this is an upgrade or a downgrade. Like, Bergevin's your, your next best option? It's a lateral option? move. I... <sighs> I, I don't know. I <laughs> it, It's hard to find good candidates nowadays. I mean, heck, Patrick Waugh might be the next GM, you know, rumored to be the next GM of the Montreal Canadiens. Anything can happen at this point. But really, Mark Bergevin is your top candidate right now? I don't even really hate the guy. I I just don't know if that's your best option. <laughs> I You know, talking a bit about Bruce Boudreau, I don't even hate him as a coach. I think he's a darn good coach. He's had a lot of playoff success. He has only missed the playoffs uh, two times out of his NHL career, which, if you ask me, is pretty damn good consistency. Um, you know, the furthest he's gone is round three with the Anaheim Ducks in uh, 
in uh, 2014-15, and he's a former Jack Adams Award winner. Uh, and, you know, he also won a Calder Cup with the Hershey Bears in 05-06. But you look at his NHL track record, he has had winning season after winning season. Uh, I don't even think he's had a losing season, actually, in his career. The guy knows how to coach. And I think this could work very well for Vancouver in the future. Uh, a lot of people were questioning it. And, you know, like, oh, Barbecue Bruce is in Vancouver. This is going to blow up in their face. He hasn't even coached a game yet. He literally just took the ice for practice earlier this afternoon. Give the guy a chance. You know, he has a great NHL track record. This is his fourth team of his NHL career. Mind you, with Minnesota, the, the you know, cards in his hand weren't exactly the greatest. And that's not really his fault. And I think he did well with what he was dealt with in Minnesota. Again, he could be that guy in the room you really want, unless it's the guy we saw from that, you know, that one winter classic clip in the Washington Capitals dressing room. I don't know how many times we're going to see him drop that bomb in the locker room or on the bench, but I think this is probably the one of the best candidates for a coaching job. With that being said, Mark again, Mark Bergevin being the GM. I don't know how to feel about that, Vancouver. I don't know if you should be scared or you should be thankful. Who knows? Maybe he'll bring Carey Price to BC. Who knows? Anything's possible now. But uh, I don't know. There could be a better candidate. I haven't been checking that close unless it's the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, you know, people are saying Patty was going to be the next candidate and saying, you know, what does Montreal have to lose aside from, you know, games, money, and possibly players and fans. But I don't know if Bergevin is the right choice for Vancouver. I could be proven wrong. Who knows? I've been proven wrong before. So if they go for Bergevin, just be careful of, you know, what you're dealing with for the future. Um, you know, you better hope that you don't sign Thatcher Demko to an $11 million contract as good as he is. So I don't know. We'll see how Vancouver plays it. Uh, Aquilani needs to, uh, I, I think he's got the situation handled for the moment. We'll see if he can, you know, keep a hold of it. I mean, you know, this again, this Vancouver team has been pretty cursed over the last few years. They got one positive. Don't take it away with a negative, please. I want to see Vancouver do well. I really do. Cause I have a friend that's a Vancouver fan and he's ready to give up. So, Please, Aquilani, hire someone good for your GM, please. <laughs> like I said, I kind of compared Bergevin to uh, to Jim Benning in a lot of ways. I, I think that holds up in terms of, you know, at times questionable contracts. I think that's 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 safe to say. <clears throat> Carl Alsner, who they're still paying the buyout for, comes to mind. In terms of trades, you know, that. There have been some wins, for sure. Josh Anderson from Max Domi, a short-term trade. They got a good return on Max Patch already. Like, and then you get some of the more negative examples that are in there. And let's be honest, he was GM for almost a decade. It takes a while to go through. And then again, you get to the draft picks. And I know a lot of Canucks fans or uh, you know, might say, oh, well, it's not all Jim Benning. And a lot of Habs fans might say, oh, it's, it's not all the GM. But at the end of the day, the GM is a pretty integral part. And we have uh, seen it before. If your head of scouting says draft this guy, the GM is not obligated to draft that guy. The GM gets to say, ah, I think we're going to go this way. Hell, if you're Edmonton, the owner gets to say, no, we're taking Yakupov and not Ryan Murray. So <laughs> the end of the day, how much of, um, how much of a shield is there? But, you know, you look at the Habs draft picks in Bergevin's tenure. 2013, 
Who are the guys that have played over 200 games? Jacob Delarose. He was okay. Arturi Lekkinen. He's still with the team. He's, he's okay. He's solid. Sven Andrigetto. Didn't really pan out. 2014. Uh, the only guy who's approaching 100 games played is Jake Evans. And he was your seventh round pick out of six picks. Excuse me. Yeah, six picks in that draft. Uh, 2015, and I know, you know Habs fans are going to be like, yeah, we know we suck at drafting as of late. Uh, 2015, the guy with the most games played, Noah Juleson with 48. He's not even on the team anymore. Uh, then 2016, hey, you get Mikhail Sergachev and then trade him for Jonathan Druen. And then the second most games played from that 2016 class, Victor Mete, and he's not on the team anymore because you wouldn't play him. Oh, and Michael Pizzetta. Shout out to Sudbury. Uh, and then 2017, 40 games of Ryan Paling so far. At least he's still with the team. 41 games of Kale Fleury in the NHL. He's not with the team anymore. Eight games of Caden Primo. Jury's out on that one. Like, you, you see the point. And then the 2018 draft. Two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven picks in the 2018 draft. 194 games out of Yasperi Kakaniemi. He's not there anymore. Uh, 79 games out of Alexander Romanov. Pretty solid. And then outside of one game of Yessi Elanen, nobody else has played in the NHL yet. It's 2018. That's three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not to say you know the development's screwed, but you get the point here. Like I see so many similarities between Vancouver and Montreal that I um, I would be panicking if I was a a fan of the Vancouver Canucks and thinking that Mark Bergevin has a shot of being the new GM of that team because that is a horrible, horrible uh, potential possibility here uh, of what might happen. So for Canucks fans, you're free of uh, Jim Benning, but hey, we'll see how long, uh, we'll see how long that op- you know that optimism lasts. We'll move on to Sunday, our final day. Endo, I hope you're, I hope you're ready. We're on to Sunday, baby. Get ready. <laughs> yeah, baby. Sunday starts off with uh, one of our other big talking points, actually, is the Tampa Bay Lightning beat the Philadelphia Flyers 7-1. to uh, In the game, Corey Perry scored two goals. He's up to five on the year for the Flyers. Cam Atkinson's eighth of the year was the lone goal. The goaltending's typically good for the Flyers this year between Hart and Jones. Uh, it was a rough game for Carter Hart, including a pretty brutal mistake. Which leads us to this. The Flyers, 8-10-4, have lost eight straight games, 0-6-2 in that span. Elaine Vigneault, in just his third season as Flyers head coach, has been fired and is replaced on an interim basis by former uh, Wild head coach and Blues head coach, if I'm not mistaken, Mike Yo, which uh, mm, mm, that's, an that's, odd a, bit, that's a bit scary, yeah. even in the interim. <laughs> For Vigneault, his record was 74-54-19 and 19 in three seasons. They made it to the second round in 2020. And shout out to Rasmus Ristolainen who is now featuring, uh, <laughs> who now gets to play under his eighth head coach in nine seasons. Jeez. <laughs> you leave oh Buffalo, but God, can you really terrible. ever escape it? He can't. Oh, <laughs> you can't my make God. that up. That's, an, that's wow. Okay. <laughs> and the example that I had of the old boys club is Rick Tockett. His name is being thrown out there as the potential replacement. And look, Rick Tockett's got a, a pretty solid legacy as a former player himself. But he is probably one of the primary examples of why. <laughs> Just why 
are we considering giving this person a chance who, if we're being honest, hasn't been all that successful in a uh, in a role such as that. He was the interim head coach for the Lightning for five months and then moved into the uh, head coaching role, which he lasted for 10 months. And he was then the head coach of the Arizona Coyotes for almost four years. That ended this past May. For Elaine Vigneault, he's a hell of a coach, but the argument could be there that his time has passed. You know, there was obviously the finals appearance in Vancouver. There was his tenure with the New York Rangers, but maybe just maybe the league has passed him by is my take on that. And for the Flyers, I mean, at least they're a bit more proactive because they could have just said, like, nah, let's wait it out. But it's clear, like, hey, we, we want to win. We have a roster where we need to be competitive here. And again, if you're going to shake something up, what's the easiest thing to do? It's to get rid of the head coach. So, I, I, I don't know. I don't view this as the wrong move. I do wonder what uh, kind of future Elaine Vigneault has necessarily at the NHL level. Uh, but for the Flyers, again, not the biggest Flyers fan in the world, but I'm kind of hoping for any Flyers fan that listens to this podcast that you don't end up with Rick Tockett as your head coach because I don't see that as a positive change. No. And I think if you hire Rick Tockett, you're, you know, you take one step forward or you're making five steps backwards. Uh, and again, I don't even hate Elaine Vigneault as a coach. I think his... Track record with the Flyers at 147, 74, and 54 is honestly not that awful, even though you missed the playoffs last year. Um, but, you know, much like that one video that surfaced today of the dogs at Wells Fargo Center, the Flyers team have been taking a dump uh, lately, uh, so to speak. They they are just on a humongous flop right now. <laughs> and, I mean, that 7-1 loss last night just encapsulated everything Um and led to the, the firing of Vigneault. And he, correct me if I'm wrong, signed an extension earlier this year, did he not? He And they're still going to have to pay him out for another, I think it's two, three years. So realistically, now you're paying for two head coaches. So, uh, you know, GG Philly, I guess you can say. Um, but I mean, this Flyers team was looking up so positively since Carter Hart came into the league. This looked like a team that might finally have a chance to end their Stanley Cup drought. And then you just flop hard this year. And I get, you know, you make a few changes. Like, Claude Giroux's not getting any younger. Uh, you lose Jakob Voracek, uh, which I wasn't even that much against. I think it was time for him to move on because him and the media apparently were not getting along very well. I'm sure we go back to that media scrum from uh, not that long ago. Um, this Philly team looked like they were heading in the right direction. And I think... Like you said, Tugi, I think a change was needed. Uh, it was Vigneault's, only Vigneault's third season, but obviously this team was not getting any better, and they're seventh in the Metro right now, which is not great. Is <sighs> Mike Yo as the interim fine? I'm not even against that, and he's going to make his debut against Colorado tonight uh, on Monday. Um, and it also should mention assistant Michelle Terrian's been let go as well. Um, but really Rick Tockett, much, much, much like the Vancouver situation, Rick Tockett's your number one guy right now. Really? I, I'm sorry, but you know, I think the old boys club in our hockey culture needs to go away for the better. It's, you know, um, I'm sure you guys have talked about the old boys club multiple times before. Um, Rick Tockett's very much a member of that boys club. Um, 
And, you know, going back to his Arizona days, I mean, yeah, the Coyotes have been pretty awful the last, like, decade or so. <laughs> you know, they almost made the cup final that one year, but thankfully, L.A. took care of business. Um, so the fact that Rick Tockett is apparently their number one guy, possibly, as their hire, that is that could make for a humongous mistake. Again, you know, we, we prejudge these coaches before they're actually put in place, much like people will with Bruce Boudreaux. If they hire Rick Tockett, fine. It's not my team. I could care less, to be honest. But Rick Tockett, you're number one. I, I don't even know what to say to that. I think that's that's kind of funny, <laughs> if you ask me. Um but I don't know. I, I think Elaine Vigneault is going to find a job very soon. I don't even think he's a bad coach. I just think he didn't have the greatest lineup to him. And Carter Hart's been kind of falling off a cliff lately, which sucks because I think he's an amazing well, goaltender. But Last year. He has been better this year. Yeah, better this year, but seems to be somewhat inconsistent at this point, which sucks because I think he's an amazing talent. So, you know, hopefully the Flyers take, you know, kind of that – golden road to the promised land may that might be a few years from now depending on who their coaching hire is but i don't know if rick talk it's your best option philly you might want to rethink your options here we will move on we'll see again what happens with philadelphia with vancouver with montreal still a lot of uh moving pieces in the nhl right now and we might not be done. Now, I do want to mention this game really quickly. The Blue Jackets beat the Sharks 6-4. to four. Uh, Adam Boakfast with two goals. He's up to six now on the year. Eat your heart out, Seth Jones. Cole Sillinger, his fifth of the year. Adam Tessier, his eighth. Uh, for the Sharks, Nick Bedino scored again. Eric Carlson scored again. Hurdle has nine on the year. And Brent Burns got his second. He does have 11 assists as well. But that brings us to one of our other big talking points. That was when the Blackhawks beat the Islanders 3-2 to two in a shootout. Brandon Hagel scored his eighth of the year for the Hawks. Great player. Marc-Andre Fleury picked up win number 499 in the regular season, one away from joining Martin Brodeur and Patrick Waugh as the only goaltenders in NHL history to win 500 regular season games. Hall of Famer for Fleury. That's all that needs to be said. The news was also out there that Tyler Johnson ended up having the same surgery as Jack Eichel. Now, we talked about this on the last show. Endo wasn't here Jack Eichel's already back on the ice. Yeah. The Buffalo Sabres are the worst run organization in the history of sports. <laughs> They're probably kicking their ass right now. They finally like was back. Now, and the word is, <laughs> the word is, and I was going, I, I had this written down um, in one of the games below, but a, a combination tweet from Jesse Granger and Emily Kaplan. Eichel is cleared for everything except for contact and is expected to join the team within three weeks. <laughs> Three weeks from now, Three he weeks. will be playing by New Year's. Oh, my God. Buffalo could have had him this year if they let him get his surgery, but no, a fine print in his contract if, prevents him from doing Buffalo's a joke, man. Oh, my, oh God. my God. If he got the surgery in April or May, he would have been a saber on opening night <laughs> in the lineup. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> Uh, what a clown show. The Sabres put the L in Buffalo. Are you kidding me? That's <laughs> that's insane. I mean, good for Jack Two. Michael. I'm glad he's doing all right, mm -hmm. but I still can't understand why Buffalo just wouldn't let him get the surgery for crying out loud. Like, uh, It does 
<laughs> it does raise the question of yeah. Vegas's cap situation if he comes back before the playoffs, because the thought was his end is just dying right now. The, <laughs> the thought was like, show. oh, they might be over the cap if Eichel comes back. So maybe it does force Vegas's hand into making a move, or maybe hey, maybe they do end up keeping him out. But yeah, no, Jack Eichel is very, very close to being healthy compared to what you would have expected. It's ridiculous um and tyler johnson then as well i mean you don't know that the health circumstances but there's a chance he could be back soon and this type of surgery becomes the norm so for chicago things are looking okay relatively thanks to mark andre floria but that brings us to the islanders and i referred to this a couple of times um only notable thing about this game uh jg pajo got his second of the year finally he has six points in 19 games as my dog goes crazy out in the hallway <laughs> The Islanders fan. are five. Yeah, right. The Islanders are five, ten, and five on the season. They have lost eleven straight games. That's oh eight and three in that time. Thirteen goals in those eleven games. They've been shut out three times. And they still haven't won at their new rink either, right? Uh no, nope. That's I mean, embarrassing. Yeah, they, that's yeah, yeah. So that's a here's curse. here's the question. Here's the question. Sell the rink. Go back home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go back to the Sell cell. the rink. Go back to Barclays. Um, Barry Trotz, in theory, should be one of the most untouchable coaches in the sport. But if you were going to make a change to try and spark something and not say this season is, is, is over, which it's not, at 5-10-5, and five, they, in theory, have the talent. This is a team that's made it to back-to-back uh, Eastern Conference Finals. What is the game plan for them? Because right now, they are in free fall. 11 games in a row is in free fall. You have player key, key players that are struggling. Now, Matt Barzell has heated up a little bit lately, but still he has 13 points in 20 games. Anders Lee, who missed uh, the back half of last season due to injury, their captain, has four points in 15 games. Josh Bailey has seven points in 15 games. Pajot has six uh, Kyle Palmieri has seven points in 20 games, one goal. Beauvillier has seven points in 19. Wallstrom has seven goals in 20 games. That's, that's all he has. He has no assist on the year. And one fight. Goaltending-wise, <laughs> Sorokin has a 920, uh, 925. Varlamov has an 888 in six appearances. At what point do you say, and they have had COVID struggles this year as well, we'll mention that, and some injury troubles as well. But at what point, like, where is that line, I wonder, between, ah, shit, bad luck this season, don't do anything drastic, versus we're in a brand new arena, there is pressure to win, get rid of Barry to try and spark something and get this team to the playoffs. I don't think that's the right move to make, but I could see them making that move. It it almost seems inevitable, doesn't it? I... You know, you go back to when Washington won the cup, Barry finally gets his trophy, and then guess what? Poof, he's gone, and he's gone to Long Island. He's arguably one of the top coaches in the NHL. Uh, Obviously not this season, because his team's playing absolutely atrocious. Uh, And I mean, you know, you listed off the stats. Man, this team has hit a a brick wall. It's honestly insane. And looking through cap friendly, I didn't even know... That Casey Sezikis is still getting paid two and a half million dollars, I believe, for the next <laughs> for the next six years, if I'm not mistaken. That's kind yeah, of absurd. Brand new deal. 
Um, I I feel bad for Zidane Chara that his NHL career might finish with a team that might not even win a home game this year. <laughs> and, and and again, I'm not trying to put this team down because again, but like you said, Tuggy, back to back Eastern Conference uh, Finals. But uh, wow, their big guys have uh, their big guys have kind of disappeared. Um, you know, Matt Barzell under that Kyle Palmieri trade looked great at first. It looked like it was going to fit, and now it's just blowing up all over their face. Um. I, I don't know what's happening with this team. I completely forgot that Zach Parisi was a member of this Islanders team. That that just Ooh. blew me away. Yeah. Um, and mm. man, New York's hitting the New York's hitting the ice harder than Anthony Bavilli did it from that hit from Adam Ernie. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I want it. This Oof. is a team, by the way. You know that has won four cups in their history and has been kind of snake bitten over the years. And you know, there's. <laughs> You know, obviously, with the departure of Jonathan Days, that's a totally different can of worms. But, I mean, they seem to have found success without Tavares since he left. But now this year, you got, you know, Sororkin was supposed to be, like, the next big thing. But, man, Varlamov has fallen off hard, hasn't he? Like, it's kind of disappointing. And, I mean, you know, Endo, as Leafs fans, you know, the Islanders, you know, make fun of us for the whole Tavares thing. And, you know, they still have a kind of a right. Yeah. But... I, I don't again I, I can't help but side with Tugi. I don't know if firing Barry Trotz is the best move. It might be your only move because really who are you gonna who are you gonna trade down yeah. the road? It's you you, you know that <laughs> I and you can't remember. get rid of perennial GM of the year, Lula Morello. Uh, He's gonna win awards. Well, He's gonna die as a fucking GM, that's for sure. <laughs> He's no funny, funny that you think Lula Morello is going to die. You want to psych just signing the contract? He's still going to be he signing checks die. from his hospital bed at some oh point. Lord, but yeah. I mean, you know that Lula Morello is arguably one of the greatest GMs in NHL history. I mean, guys got way too many rings they even count. And you look at this Islanders team going down the road for the rest of the year. You know they have they obviously have their first round. They only have missing two uh, draft picks in the fourth and seventh round. I mean, if this team continues to slide, do you not start to sell the farm? Uh, that's what I'm starting to question. You have just under one and a half million dollars of cap space to work with going into, you know, obviously the trade deadline and for next off season. If this team doesn't start to find the pieces, not only is Barry Trotz going to be gone, they might have to make a big splash getting rid of one of those big contracts. I'm not saying Matt Barzell particularly. I think he should stay an Islander because there was that one year he almost didn't up, end up being an Islander, and that was scary for New York. <sighs> Maybe you move on from, I don't know, guys like, th th this is a stretch, but maybe you get rid of, like, I don't think anyone's going to take that Peugeot deal. That's an insane amount of money. That Andrews Lee contract is already blowing up in their face at this point. I get he's their captain, but the there's only... You can only go up from here, right? You you have to make some kind of shakeup. If you keep losing this way, eventually fans are not going to start coming to your new home, which is a beautiful arena. But man, that's not the best way to break it in, is it? <laughs> that's that that's all I got to say. I hope the Islanders can turn it around. And uh, again, I don't think Barry Trotz being fired would be the best decision. It probably will happen, and we can't do anything about it. It just is what it is. Final two games here before I turn over this podcast to Endo. 
<laughs> the ready. Kings beat the Oilers 5-1. to one. Can't wait. Rather surprising result. McDavid was called for five in a game for boarding Adrian Kempe. Uh, seemed to be more of a temper thing in response to what appeared to be another no call against Connor McDavid because, of course, that's how the league is officiated. Uh, it was the correct call, though. And, hey, no further disciplines needed. Five in a game. Justified. Uh, I believe the Kings did score three goals, though, on that ensuing power play. Uh, Adrian Kempe had two goals in the game. He's up to ten. Uh, for the Oilers, I mean, the only real bright spot is Darnell Nurse came back to the lineup. He scored his first of the year. He does have an 11 assist, though, in 17 games played, so not too bad there. For the uh, penultimate game here, before we turn it over, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights beat the Calgary Flames 3-2. to Kenny Dodonoff, seventh of the year. And Robin Leonard became the first NHL player to opt out of going to the Olympics. Now, we've talked about it on the show. We've had our doubts as to whether or not it's even going to happen. It just seems unlikely at this point. Uh, but, as we've learned, positive tests equal a three-week quarantine in China, which Robin Leonard has been quoted in saying as that is not ideal for his mental health. No shit. I don't think that's ideal for anyone's mental health. Um, and, and to this as well, like this is a point that was brought up to me by a lot of different people. Um, the U.S. technically announced a, a diplomatic boycott of the upcoming Olympics in China. The bottom line is this is essentially a move for show. More than anything, it's political posturing. The U.S., as it stands, will still be taking part in the Olympics. Now, there's a difference between this diplomatic boycott and actual boycotts. For those who do not know, uh, the 1980 Olympics were in Moscow. The U.S. did not go in response to the uh, to the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. They flat out didn't go. You can look up the medal counts from that Summer Olympics. No Americans won a single medal. They didn't go. The Soviets did the same thing. Four years later, when the Summer Olympics were in Los Angeles, the Soviets did not go. There is a difference between a full-on boycott, like the examples in the early 80s, versus this posturing. So, don't worry about that too much. For Robin Leonard, I don't think he'll be the last player to do it. I'm also not surprised, based off of uh, all the conversations he had uh, about mental health and such. And that brings us to the main event of this show. Now, I will talk over some of these points. I will give the recap, and then I will turn it over to the fellas. I do want to say, you can find me on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, everywhere at 2G24. I thank you all very much for for listening and supporting the show. It's been great. A big shout-out again to our sponsors at Manscaped. Code 2G at checkout, of course. 20% off your order, free worldwide shipping. Um, and I will leave these two to plug their own stuff here at the end of the show, because all I'm going to do is sit back and relax and, and listen to the end of the show. Um... So the Winnipeg Jets beat the Toronto Maple Leafs 6-3 on Monday night. It was the game where Blake Wheeler became the one uh, or became a part of the 1,000 games club. 1,000 career games. Uh, by chance, do either of you two uh, know who the other two players are from the 04 draft class to currently have played 1,000 games? Ooh. Ooh. I don't want to cheat. We've mentioned <laughs> one. We've mentioned one on the show today. Alex Ovechkin. Ovi. Yes. Sydney Crosby. There you go. He is... Not Sydney Crosby. Crosby was that, the year yeah. after. Yeah, the year after. The other recently retired was a part of this team for a long time, and then uh, joined. Hmm? Dustin Bufflin. No, mm. he just retired this past offseason. Okay. He spent his entire career on one team, except for 13 games plus playoff time uh, of this past offseason, uh, on a team that we just talked about. Oh God. 
and all I, drawing a blank here. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm 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 stuck. Devil's like, Legend. Devil's Legend. Uh, what's oh. his name? Parise. No, no. <laughs> no. Oh. Uh, um. All right. The five second warning. Give me like a letter. Give me a letter. It's not Palmieri, is it? No, but you're so. in the right range. Give, give me a fucking letter, Toogie. He's a centerman. <laughs> He's a centerman? That's not a letter. That's a position. <laughs> that's a letter. C is a letter. <laughs> you know, yeah, here's a letter. Fuck you. <laughs> He's, to He's toiling with us before if we I even get into the If I give away a letter, it's too obvious. Give me, like, like, a letter of his middle name or something like that. If he has I don't fucking know his middle <laughs> name. You should. We're going to ask these questions. <laughs> Travis Zajac oh, is the answer. Oh, Zajac. Uh, God, right. I feel so awful. Congrats to Blake Zajac Wheeler. Well, not uh -huh. enough to remember his name. <laughs> For joining Alex Ovechkin and uh, Travis Zajac in that conversation. In terms of the game, Pierre-Luc Dubois scored his 12th of the year. Kyle Connor, have to mention him every time, scored his 15th of the year. For the Leafs, Michael Bunting got a 7th. Matthews is 15th. And Andre Kasha has been healthy enough to score 6 goals this year. He's been good. And yeah. Like and in the aftermath, again, I'm going to turn it over to you guys. Here is what has happened. <laughs> Wayne Simmons has been fined $2,250 for cross-checking Jansen Harkins. And through the whole team. Neil Pionk had a hearing and was subsequently suspended for two games for kneeing Rasmus Sandin. Okay. My take, my take is that he tried to finish the check. I don't think it was an intentional knee-on-knee and that it was overly malicious, but you are responsible for the outcome of the play. The suspension is justified. Yeah, I agree. Jason yeah. Spezza will have a hearing tomorrow for subsequently <laughs> kneeling or kneeing Neil Pionk. Although, let's be honest, Pionk was on the ice, and Jason Spezza jumped off the top rope of the Macho Man elbow. <laughs> um, elbow. So Spezza, Spezza will probably be suspended. Um, also in this game, Pierre-Luc Dubois mauled Austin Matthews, and somehow there was a matching roughing call. So we have a fine, a suspension, an in-person hearing. Maybe the referee should get a call for letting the game get that out of hand. If you have that many incidents out of one game, maybe the referee should face some subsequential, uh, subsequential discipline themselves. Mm -hmm. My name is Tuggy. I'm going to sit back and relax. Endo, okay. Tom, take it over. Tom, again, thank you very much for joining us on the show. <laughs> I, I am going to sit back, and I am intrigued to know what you guys have did to you say. Want some, did you want some wine, Tuggy? You look like you're about – like you want a blanket, first of all. You, you sound like you're about to sit back and relax. I'm not playing Monopoly. Me. Otherwise, I'd take the blanket. <laughs> That's a deep-cut Twitch reference right there. I don't know, Endo. Did, did you want to start? So, so the one thing I really wanted to do, and I, I'm glad I got my graphics card today because I'm having computer issues. If everyone's aware of the podcast, I see Tuki on stream. Nice hat, by the way. Tuki just <laughs> put on a Santa hat on top of his headphones. Ho, ho, ho. Getting, getting, Leafs, getting to hear Leafs fans talk about shit like this has been like Christmas Day on Twitter <laughs> and Reddit for the past uh, 12 oh my hours God. or so. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to say, um, Dubois rode Austin Matthews like a fucking horse. It was so funny. Because they happen to be like, like tackling each other, and then he's like fully on top of him, like woo yeehaw! And I was like, what the hell is this? And the fact that Austin got like a two minute for that, like, what did he do? <laughs> two minutes for being someone else's bitch. That's basically what it was. It's it was ridiculous. Okay, so let's let's backtrack here. Yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about Simmons, uh, Wayne Simmons, going after like four people during one shift. Like right at the play there when he got the when he got the call, oh man, that was ridiculous. Like this whole the whole game was just was just a crapshoot. 
I mean, you're you're, you're losing the game. Uh, you 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 need to fight back, and then everyone's kind of soft. So then you have like, you have Jason Spezza kneeing a guy in the like the stomach, face, neck, whole upper body. Then you have Wayne Simmons going around cross-checking everybody. Then you have Austin Matthews getting getting thrown around like a like a pool noodle at a kid's birthday party. It, it's, it's it's ridiculous. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. Uh, like I, I'm sorry to interrupt Endo, but Matthews is 6-3. Like defend yourself cuz no one's coming to save you. Yeah. Let's let's be real. Yeah, this team needs I I think if you've always said it, this is definitely the big result of it. Uh this team needs grit. This this team needs guys to step up and be that force to be reckoned with. Uh, he's a big guy. I get that. It's, that's like it's not his style. What hasn't been even when he played like when he was younger. It was all like speed and being like deceptive. And but y- you're in the NHL. You're you've been here for a couple of years now. Everyone knows how you play. You need to adapt. You need to use that body, that frame. Even even a guy like Sidney Crosby. I saw this clip that came up on Twitter, and it was Sidney Crosby and all his fights and his battles that he had to go through because he gets frustrated. He's like what four feet shorter, uh, four feet, Jesus, uh, four inches shorter and like twenty pounds lighter than Austin Matthews. And okay, listen, <laughs> shut up, Tuki. You, you shut your mouth, go on your phone, and do whatever. File your taxes. I don't know what you do. Oh, man, Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. But like you're, you're that big of a guy. You shouldn't you should not be getting manhandled by like Dubois. You should be able to stand up for yourself. You, like like you said, no one's going to come and come and save you. You have to be the guy who's going to go out there and, and deal with it and fight back. Like like this is the this is the proven method right now that we need the be stronger. But I mean, we, I mean, they, because I just sit on my ass and laugh at the, all the shit happening. <laughs> uh, before I get into my part, follow me on Twitter at TGM underscore play by play. Again, boys, thanks for having me. Um, now, I'll admit, I didn't watch the full game. I only caught like the second half and thank God I caught the second half because that's mm-hmm. where everything kind of blew up in our faces. Um, Let's talk about the Pionkney first. I agree with Doogie. He's trying to get out of the way. But again, you're responsible for your own body. <sighs> Player safety confuses me. Um, you know, the officials didn't call it on the ice, but they think it's worthy of a two-game suspension. So, you know, <sighs> I don't know if the officials played a part in this suspension process. I doubt it. But did they, did they not see something here? That Did they see something we didn't? I'm very confused. And then Sandine, he looked awful going off the ice. And that's how this whole powder cake started. And then, you know, Jason Spezza, as Pionk is going to go after the puck and tries to swat it out of the zone while diving, he's in a very vulnerable position. And, and again, he got tripped up in open ice. You can see the way Spezza's look at him. It's like, all right, I'm going to get revenge for my rookie. Here we go. And he goes in like, I, I hate to say this, he looks like a running back going through the middle and just drops in, into Pionk on the ice. Mm-hmm. I talk so highly of Jason Spezza. Yeah. And, and pardon my French, but what the hell are you doing? What are you thinking dropping the body in on a guy in a vulnerable position like that? 
that ruins almost all credibility of how amazing of a player you are. I don't care what history, if any history, Jason Spezza has. He's going to get suspended longer than Neil Pionk is. I don't know if you agree with me, Endo, but that was there was some pretty malicious intent behind that. Yeah, if you ask me. Yeah, it reminded me of like, you know, like Metroid, like Samus is doing that charge shot across the stream. That's what it looked yeah. like. Just charging right across it. it there, there's no need for that. You can <laughs> you can you can tussle a guy. You can hit him on the boards real hard. But just going an open ice hit like that when he's already down and out of the play, that's unnecessary. I, I get it. And I guess some people's defense is going to be it's a bang bang play. But he was going for the hit regardless of where on the ice Neil Pionk is. I'm sorry. There's no defending this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I tried to stay vocal off of Twitter because, one, I'm friends with a lot of people who are Leafs fans. Hell, I'm friends with Joe Bowen because his kid played for the team I work for. What Jason Spezza did was embarrassing, to say the least. I'm not even mad we lost. It's how we lost that game. I say we like I'm part of this team. I'm embarrassed on how they lost this game. And, you know, I go through my Twitter and then we get to Spetsa getting, or Spetsa, Matthew's getting thrown around like a rag doll. Mm-hmm. You're six foot three. I get this isn't your game that you play. You don't like to go after players like that. Man, stand up for yourself because no one's coming to save you. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And Jason Spetsa's the guy that's going to be the enforcer in this situation. Really? Really? This is the same situation we've had for many years. I should stop saying we. I'm not a part of the team. This is the same situation they've been having for years. No one coming in and standing up for these young guys. No one comes to defend Matthews. No one comes to defend Marner. No one defends Nylander. They won't even defend their own goalie for crying out loud. Like, are you kidding me? It's insulting on how nobody stood up for anybody at that point. So, and then the coup de grace in my eyes... Final 30 seconds of the game. Simmons starts a fight along the boards. I get his intent. Is it necessary? Not really. In comes Logan Stanley. Oh, yeah. And he's the third man in that whole situation. I don't care what anybody says. If you're the third man in, you should be subject to some kind of punishment. Suspension, fine. I don't care what it is. Yeah. He's the third man in, and he drops the mitts with with uh simmons i thought it was an okay tilt it it is what it is mm-hmm. and then as he's being sk- skated off the ice puts his arms in the air like joe bowen said like the heavyweight champion of the world that's embarrassing how can you support something like that you're the third man in you're gonna celebrate like you ko'd like the toughest guy in the league i'm sorry i'm trying not to be biased here but that was unbelievably stupid and then the locker room after the game <sighs> I, I I said I said it on Twitter. Showboning after getting fed a knuckle sandwich gets you player of the game, eh? That's that's a good move. That's um, I can't I can't wait for the next time these two teams play. And I'll give credit to Kevin McGrand on Twitter. Um, I think he said it best. Good officiating would have prevented all of this with Pionk, Simmons, and Spezza. They let this game get out of control, and that's their job. You're supposed to police the games and make sure players don't get hurt. And Jim Ralph from the Toronto Maple Leafs broadcast said it best. Why are the linesmen going in to separate Stanley and Simmons? That's how people get hurt. If a linesman gets hurt, then the NHL is going to point fingers at Simmons and Stanley saying, hey, that's your fault. Mm-hmm. Not, not the linesman's fault. So that whole game was, not the whole game, but that third period was a mess. Yeah. And 
as a Leafs fan, I was pretty embarrassed with how that happened. And again, Leafs fans, you could come after me in my DMs or on my socials. I don't care. That was you shouldn't be proud of that game last night. I'm not. Again, I'm not embarrassed that they lost. It's how they lost. And uh, I, I don't know how many games Spets is gonna get. My voice is getting hoarse because I've been because my voice is trying to tell me you should shut up now. <laughs> but this Leafs team, they need a good kick in the rear end. Um, you know, they've had a lot more highs at this point of the season than lows. I remember everyone hand, hitting the panic, panic button with their losing skid, myself included. I'll be first to admit this team's turned it around and this was a humongous bump in the road. Um, and, you know, you kind of got sucked into the propeller of a Winnipeg jet and you just got, you know, <sighs> I shouldn't say manhandled. I mean, Matthews got manhandled, but oh, uh, like the th- Calgary this... Stampede out there. Oh, no kidding! Freaking <laughs> looking like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> I I don't know what happens from here. Spets is going to be out for a while. There's no doubt about it. Uh, again, I don't care if past history. You throw a hit like that, like a running back going through the middle, taking down a QB on a QB slide. You're subject to whatever criticism and, um, you know, whatever punishment you get, much like myself. I'm probably going to get criticized and, you know, possibly punished for, for voicing my opinion on this. But, um, yeah, I was nah, you'll be fine. I was I was kind of embarrassed to be a least fan last night, uh, given how they handled that circumstance. Um, I can't wait for the next time Winnipeg and Toronto place that that'll be um, that'll be interesting. But, yeah, it was uh, the only thing. The only thing you're going to get criticized for is being the first person to bring up the CFL on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Sorry. We have a <laughs> we have a Canadian this. host and myself, and I I've not mentioned the CFL once. I, well, I, you brought up a, the stamps, so, so thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And before we head out, I'm gonna I've got to plug my stuff. Endo Mills on Twitter, Twitch, all the places, all the faces. That's where I'm at. Uh, last thing I'm going to say about, about that whole thing is, uh, yeah, um, this is definitely, like you said, a waking call, a wake up call and they need that. And I hope this does light a fire. If not, they're just going to be calling up Curtis Gabriel. Love him. And to come beat the living shit out of, uh, uh, was it Logan Stanley? Whatever the fuck his name was. Is that him? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Logan Stanley. Uh, so- one thing I don't want to say about that too is, um, apparently like through that whole game, like, Simmons and Stanley were going at it. Simmons wanted to go from the entire fucking game. And then the one time this happens and he gets a chance to fight with him, uh, Stanley comes in like the third, like, the, like you said, the third guy in and gets this fight. He's like, yeah, I did it. Look at me. I, are you proud, dad? Look at me, mom. Like, I did it. I'm the guy. <laughs> and Simmons I'm is like, fella. what are you? What the fuck are you doing? I was trying to fight you all game. And you're just giving like a, like a little slap. Yeah, I did it. Look at me, I mean, mom. Mind you, it was a decent tilt, but like you're the third man in. Why are you celebrating like yeah. that? Like, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. That, that, that was that was a tough pill to swallow after that. And you know, again, the Leafs have been a punching bag for a few years in terms of playoff performance. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, Endo. It's tough being a Leafs fan some days. I, I mean, I'm still proud to you know represent the blue and white most nights. Um. But last night was just not a good night for any Leafs fan, at least in my opinion. Again, you can tell me whenever you want, as Toogie relishes this in our dumpster fire. Oh, I've, had, I've had a great time. 
I've had a great time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can fun. tell. You know, you know what? In spite of that, I hope something happens and Tuka Rask has to be the goaltender against the Bruins. <laughs> How about that, huh? Imagine getting shut out by your like, your franchise goalie. <laughs> imagine that. I wish no ill will towards any goaltender in the Vancouver Canucks franchise, any organization, but imagine the, the situation that would happen if you were to get shut out by your franchise goalie. Wouldn't that be insane? That, that would be kind of ridiculous, but, uh, you know, you almost get the feeling that weird, weird things can happen. We said the same thing about, you know, David Ayers. There's no way this guy's going to come in and beat us. Scott Foster. Yeah, oh, that was beautiful. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't I don't know. I Yeah, that, that's all I got to say about last night. I'm still proud yeah. to be a Leafs fan, but uh, I wasn't proud last night. That's all I'll say. Boys, it was fun. Thank you both again. Make sure to check out Tom, as he mentioned, uh, and everywhere that you can find him. Support the Sudbury Wolves. And I will uh, be back alongside Endo this Thursday. Who knows who might be on the show with us while Sin takes a little vacation. Thank you for watching and listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.